This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Ball with the ball, the bang, the bang, diggy, diggy. Welcome to the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by the pimp of the nation, Chris Sinzak. I like the sound of that. Yeah, man, that's cool as hell. How's it going? Good. How are you? Yeah? You look tired? I always look tired. Have you aged a year in the last week? I would say for sure. Yeah? (laughs) Well, we just earlier found the the happy home of the Kistery guitar. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a a new home overseas. Yes. Long ways to go, but it's got a place to be. Yep. And uh, we announced the winner. And uh, if you entered that contest, just go to the National Rock and Pod Expo Facebook page and you can see the video where we announced the winner. (laughs) <laughs> hanging on the backyard yeah very cool thank you to everybody that entered that contest everybody that's contributed all along to rock and pot expo too it's coming up this weekend yeah it's right upon us and we're so excited and you know a real big thank you to our every week listeners who have been extra patient with us lately yeah. because our lives have been turned upside down, not just by the Expo, but Life every, in general. <laughs> everything else going on at the same time is getting ready for the Expo at the same time is always trying to put on the best quality Decibel Geek podcast for you guys that we can. And we realize we've been slacking a little bit <laughs> lately, and you know we just want you to know that we do recognize it, and we love you and thank you for your patience. We think that you're going to enjoy this one today, though. Yeah, and we have some cool stories. Oh yeah, definitely, and we definitely got plans to make it up for you to you before the end of the year. So our slacking will be repaid before the end of 2018. Right. But this is a good step towards that because today is going to be awesome as we hang out with the man from the classic era, Kid Rock, the guitar player. Kenny Olson. Yeah. And Kenny had just so many awesome stories. And, you know, this is the, this year is the 20th anniversary of Devil Without a Cause. Can you and, believe that? And, wow. You know, I know everybody remembers Cowboy and Ball with yeah. the Ball. And, like, this album was a landmark album in rock music. And Groundbreaking. It was. And the, the sales are just astronomical. Yes. And, you know, his stories are really cool because it comes from his perspective of, Basically, this just ragtag group of people in Detroit putting this stuff together that just sounded good to them, and you got influences from all over the board. Yeah, and probably never, and and he even says so in the interview, never thinking it's going to be giant. Right. And next thing he knows, they're playing the Grammys and they're hanging out with Madonna and they're on TRL <laughs> and you know, like the charts are Beyonce, you know, Mariah Carey, Britney Spears, and Kid Rock. You right. know, it, it, yeah. it's, it's a really interesting story. And Kenny's like a very soft-spoken guy, but he's just he's crossed paths with so many legends and yeah. and you know his place in history is is definitely secure and uh yeah he it's he has so much more going for him than just this album but it was cool to sit down and kind of focus on the making of this record right and he uh yeah he definitely brought the stories today for sure and you guys are gonna love it and that's coming up in just a minute but before we get to kenny i gotta take care of some business we got ourselves one of these sweet 
Podchaser reviews. Now, yep. we talked to you guys about Podchaser a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's very cool. You know, it's worth checking out. It's kind of a, a Rotten Tomatoes for podcasting. We kind of figured, you know, it was a good way to describe that, where you can go on and you can rate podcasts and even write down to individual episodes. Mm-hmm. So if you like giving ratings and things like that, you know, go ahead and check out Podchaser. Here's one that we got, and it comes to us from Digital Killed the Radio Star. Hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah, David Hudson. Oh, I, I bet you it's going to be good. I bet you it's going to be in our favor. I know D-Hud loves us. He does. We love him, too. Goes a little something like this. Aaron and Chris are the velvet underground of hard rock podcasts. How do you feel about that? I don't know how quite to take that. I guess we better read on and see if it... If it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how to feel. All right, let's see. They are the guys that served as inspirations for so many of us to start our own. The Albums Unleashed series was a stroke of genius. I am a proud supporter of these two guys I now call friends. You will not regret subscribing. I get okay. that. Okay, yeah. all right. That's Influential. cool then. Right, I like that. Yeah, because we definitely have done that, you know, and, and we're proud of all our evil little step babies, you know, yeah. so it all works out. So take a walk on the wild side and listen to Decibel Geek. That's right. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. So our other favorite people, the Geeks of the Week, these are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter. Two weeks ago's episode <laughs> of Your First Kiss. We love you guys. Geeks oh, that was way back in Jalogus. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's been a confusing time. Uh, Geeks of the Week this week are Eric Sinzak. I know that guy. He's my yeah. brother. James McElhenney, Joe Orland, Sit and Spin with Joe, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, James West, Ron Runyon, Rockin' Ron Runyon, Bill Elam, David Glenn, Sean Cullen, Brant Cattell, Andrew Jacob, Shane Abra, Mikhail Burrell, Will Breer, Rodney Dixon, Dave Koska, Joe Lascon, Jimmy Johnson, Matt Porter, and of course, the, the Mooger Fooger. Now, if you shared and retweeted and didn't find your name on that list, well, like it's I my said, <laughs> things have gone a little haywire around here, but uh, we're trying to keep it together. So we're hoping to make up for that here today, and I think we do with the help of our good friend, rock and roll legend, guitar player with Kid Rock back in the classic basically in my opinion all the good stuff that Kid Rock ever did Kenny Olsen was a part of it You know, had a bunch of different cool bands that, you know, opened up a lot of really cool shows. You know, like St. Andrew's Hall was a place for everybody from, you you name it, was coming through there and playing. That's how I started beginning friendships. A lot of the old cats, you know, ended up being my fellow peers, you know, through this crazy industry that were from all over. And so I, but I was doing that for a while. I was in several different bands. um, And I moved to Los Angeles probably when I was about 20. Yeah. And um, I had moved out there. There were so many different bands that I was in that were getting so close and stuff, you know, and trying to go out and get that big deal. And What was it yeah. like out there at that time? Was the Sunset Strip, was it still kicking or was it done by then? No, it was, that was the heyday. That was yeah. like, yeah. I have to date myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, you know, because that was late 80s you yeah. know, when I moved out there, so... I was fortunate though moving out there because of all the people that were coming through Detroit and being in some pretty big local bands, you know, that were opening up for all these people. I started having a lot of friendships with Seduce. Yeah, well, yeah, they're old, yeah, my old buddies. But I mean, even like all the people, national acts coming from out of town. Gotcha. And there's so many people, but then I'd start name dropping, you know. But some very legendary people that I was 
fortunate enough to be, you know, part of that whole scene then mm. and different bands that were so close to, to the, all that. And uh, But I did a lot of moving back and forth between L.A. and Detroit in those late 80s, early 90s because, you know, it was like just a guitar player kid from Detroit trying to, you know, make ends meet and get by through life. And Los Angeles during that time period was a little crazy. So I ended up moving back um, for good to Detroit in 94. I was actually on the road when the, um, the earthquake hit in Northridge. Yeah. And uh, so the place that I lived in was actually condemned because of the ceiling from the apartment above actually fell down wow. on my bed at four o'clock in the morning that I would have been sleeping in. Whoa. <laughs> so, uh, Good thing you were not there. Yeah. So I ended up back in Detroit. And it was shortly after that, I was like, just, you know, I was kind of figuring out what I was going to do, whether to go back out there and... Me and uh, Scott Ashton from the Stooges, um, Scott and Scott Morgan, um, they had this project with uh, Wayne Kramer from the MC5. Yeah, and, right. uh, you know, and Iggy, all those guys were all my big brothers growing up in Detroit. Oh, that's I was awesome. very fortunate. Uh, so I was just was playing around, you know, with those guys a little bit. And uh, it was uh, one day, just a guy who managed Kid Rock found out that I'd moved back and he's like you know you and Bob got to get together and Bob and I already knew each other from you know from years of uh, through the years I mean I've probably known him since he when he was the 18 year old rapper with a foul mouth you know and my, yeah. my roommate when I moved back to Detroit or back and forth I was living with a funky daddy deaf Steph who was his tour manager mm-hmm. and we used to live down Eastern Market Derek May who like kind of started the whole House music revolution, all that stuff. We out made in Detroit. All that stuff was in this building down in Eastern Market. Not the greatest neighborhood at the time, but yeah. you know, it was all part of keeping it real, I guess. You know, yeah. <laughs> living in the D. Right. But uh, so that was kind of like our central station, and a lot of uh, you know people through that whole old school, whether rock or hip hop. You know, we had our our connection there, and. Um, so I was approached and he said, yeah, Bob's doing this whole thing and he wants, you know, putting together more like do like the rock thing with him doing his thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd done a lot of collaborations through the years with playing on hip hop records back when people weren't putting real guitars on that stuff and was mm-hmm. in that mix in L.A. And I used to go to New York a lot when I was only 18 or 19 and got to work on a lot of cool stuff that kind of got my name out there. But it was kind of interesting to be back in Detroit. And then... uh you know, Bob and I teamed up forces there and uh, put together, we had the Twisted Brown Trucker Band. And, you know, initially the original band, we uh, had some different industry members, you know, cool stuff. Some of the P-Funk's former members. We had, uh, you know, the girls you see, like in the photo here, Misty Love and Shirley Hayden. Yeah. Shirley's, you know, from Sly and the Family Stone. Misty's from the Brides of Frankenstein. And like all that, they're all that's cool. legendary. My buddy Matt here. In the far left, I brought him in. He was in the band Big Chief. Mm-hmm. If you remember them? Oh. Really cool band from Detroit. But uh, you know, we had like a lot of uh, just different old school. We just kind of had this really cool groove oriented, just badass band. And Beat Bob and Cracker and I were like, you know, in that original early days, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, Bob had just put out uh, Early Morning Stone Pimp. Right. And uh, that's right when I, him and I started playing together. How, where's the name Twisted Brown Trucker come from? Uh, I guess it's just uh, a play of words that uh, kind of just 
combines a bunch of stuff. <laughs> that, that it just by. sounded right. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't. <laughs> it just kind of stuck there. Yeah. You know? That was like the, that's kind of what we branded. We were going under Kid Rock and the Twisted Brown Trucker Band. And, you know, at the beginning, it was, it changed members a few times. You know, they were, Bob was, uh, doing a few things back in the day like with this whole rap thing and was starting to take out a drummer or something like that but then it was around 95, 96 we just put together a full on badass band it yeah. was like a Detroit all-star band that you know had put together around this whole thing with Bob doing his thing well my name's Kid Rock I'm a Capricorn in Detroit City's where I was born when I was young I knew I'd always be a super live body rocking MC I'm TNT Dynamite and I'ma rock this party all damn night. I got the gift of gab, I can walk the walk. I became an MC when I learned to talk. Say boo boo, gaga, I got a lot of time to eat MCs like piranha. I'm throwing this, yeah, the ultimate. Cause I don't spit my rap too quick. I'm the ladies' pick all around the world, but I only got eyes for just one girl. I don't twirl around like a ballerina. I roll through towns and I rock the readers. Crazy because we go out even before we were assigned to Atlantic, and uh, we just had this crazy ass following wherever we went, and right. we were uh, jumping in a minivan and trailers and, and just going and, and hitting it. And so by the time the, the labels all were like, Look what these guys are doing independently, they're selling, yeah, they're doing it on their own, doing 3,500 people without a record deal, and they're like, Oh, what the hell? <laughs> so uh, it's kind of weird because coming back to Detroit when I left which you know Detroit is my home and it's great things have always came out of there and great things are happening there now but it was one of those things where I didn't think you know because no one had got you know like I was in that Detroit scene trying to get that big record deal to be out there with all my other peer buddies from LA and New York that were already getting those big deals and out there doing their thing you know I was tired of always being the one opening up for all them because you're like stuck in a van and you're like eating burritos between five guys and no money you know yeah. you just even though you're playing to a bunch of people you're still not making jack shit money wise right it's mm. more about the experience and getting the following sure. but that was the old school way we did it we yeah. earned it nowadays they just look for followers on the internet back then you had to be cool and have something to keep a following and right. get people interested and um Bro. yeah so I, I guess by really by uh you know, like 96, I mean, I knew it was going to happen because we had all the labels. We're all sniffing around. And Atlantic came with the best deal. And uh, and I never thought our first album that we did was going to go down in history as one of the best-selling <laughs> debut albums of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you got a bunch of guys who were just, you know, we were all just a bunch of real dudes from Detroit. No one was really, uh, we weren't, doing it for those reasons right you know we weren't because there was we were not compromising and selling out in any way we didn't give a shit when they, we first got our record deal and it was so funny because the label wanted to come in and see what progress we made in the first you know couple of weeks being in the studio and they show up and we got like a hot tub sitting there in the middle of the studio people <laughs> in the studio were like what the fuck there's a you know <laughs> a hot tub strippers part you know everything they're like oh okay you guys are really uh great <laughs> we just put our ass on the line and you guys are just like completely being a bunch of jack trying to you know but we weren't we were definitely serious about our stuff yeah it was more like 
we we had a good. <laughs> is this a, where the advance money went, basically? Yeah, well, we we not really, but, no. we, but we had a good way to just shock people like that and just make them think yeah. that because it was funny, you know? Why not? <laughs> I mean, shock value was a, a good part of our success because right. we we were a traveling freak show. <laughs> we well, were like but, a circus, you know. <laughs> but to have like that word of mouth and that much of a grassroots following and yeah. all these labels bidding for you. That, that yeah. has been a really exciting time for you guys. Yeah. It was cool because we just really, um, you know, like when Bob and I, you know, like I said, we knew each other. We had mutual friends and before we started playing together. So it was, uh, we both kind of knew we wanted to take all the, the right seasonings from old classic rock, old blues, even to Miles Davis, to Hank Sr., to whatever swampy shit to whatever funky stuff to whatever punk rock whatever we thought was cool that's been put in music we just were like we're gonna just do it all we don't care right, right. we weren't like gonna be like categorized in a grocery store where people be like where's the meat section where's the vegetable section we were right. like and what's cool because they that was an era when especially like prior to that I remember like growing up watching bands in the 80s and 90s that would have to conform and everything was just so started getting overproduced right and we basically just went into the studio and we uh we didn't pre-produce anything we just we wrote it as we went along it was mm. like we just take guitar riffs and different beats different ideas and we just started making songs and we were all you know going through like it wasn't like even though we had a record deal it wasn't like we were paid yet everybody was still going through their own crazy lives that we've created for ourselves growing up in detroit and what was going on in people's personal lives everything was just a complete there's a lot of shit going on (laughs) to to allow people to really go in there and make a real vibe record so and it was that was the cool thing about how we'd work we just go in there and come up with an idea and then we just make beautiful mistakes all over it right if something was in a lot of the guitar tracks that I did, you know, we'd have all these different amps around and we'd never, uh, you know, we started getting indoors since we had, you know, our wall of badass marshals. We had our, I had every guitar I'd need for every different sounds. I had my strats everywhere, Les Pauls, Tellys, Firebirds, Gretches, whatever. We nice. had access to all that, but we also had all these like little shitty amps. Well, they're not shitty. They're actually holy grails, but all these old little amps that could barely work mm-hmm. that we borrowed from some friends of ours that were big vintage collectors and stuff, our buddy Greasy. <clears throat> so I had all these old Supros and like Valco amps all sitting around and everything. Some had fingernail polish holding the speakers together, but, wow. but they had that sound. Yeah. And you listen to a lot of records out that are out nowadays, or even especially were coming out in the 90s, where from song to song, everything sounded, you know, like the same guitar tones. Right. Same drum sounds. So Yeah, cookie cutter. Right off the bat, that's we didn't do that one time on that record. Like, there's not anything that was... Uh, and, that, and I would, even myself, you know, as a guitar player, you get comfortable with your sound. Yeah. It's like, wow, yeah, I could go in there and just wail that solo on this Marshall right now. I got it all dialed in. Like, now, here, Kenny, this is this old, weird guitar. The action's a half inch off the fingerboard, and here's this old little amp. Let's make it sound really cool and just do something different. Right. Which, I mean, I did a lot of the cool stuff with the mm. Marshall, but you wouldn't believe if I told people what they would think. Oh, yeah, you must have been playing through that, what we're using, but it was. Uh, I mean, we did it all. That was all on two-inch tape, this whole record. Wow. There was no Pro Tools. And we did it all old school, even the edits, you know, so it was like... 
Razor blade. You know, it's, it's an honor because it was very, you know, there's some other people, but it was very pioneering what we did. I mean, we actually just really made a record. We didn't add live instruments to a hip-hop track later. We didn't take that. We just hybrided it. Yeah. It was like we were growing this manifest of this great weed or something that had the sativa and the indigo. <laughs> you know, with the right blend. Yeah. You know, with a little... CBD oil to like ease the pain or put you in the mood. <laughs> so it was like I love of, these analogies. Yeah. <laughs> make total sense. You're speaking his language. <laughs> so we, you know, we, but we'd go up to step up to the challenge to make that because if you're not really, you know, if it's too easy, it's like anything in life. It's not really got that soul. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that record really came out of it was it really had a lot of. Um, ups and downs in it right the yeah. highs are high and the lows are yeah, low. a lot of yeah. dynamics and every song is different than yeah. every other song on the album yeah like when we did uh only god knows why it was uh i mean not bragging but it was like one of those things where you know bob had went through some shit the night before he had this idea so we go over in the studio and i just uh i did all those guitar tracks like through the solos through the whole thing not even it was like one take Nice. But I was going through some, you know, crazy shit at the time, but I just walked in and and Bob knew, you know, he knows me well enough. He'll, he'll tell people, he said, Kenny doesn't, a lot of people do this. I mean, from that I've worked with, let's say, don't. If Kenny just starts working on the song and coming up with ideas and starts writing to it, don't just, just record it. Right. Don't let him say, let me get it together and then we'll start recording it because he'll do some crazy shit you know that, <laughs> and that's only God knows why it was one of those ones started out with this total like one kind of song and it ended up being this you know you hear when it comes on kid rock you know there was uh a lot of uh the the day when i did only god knows why it was more of like a letting go just kind of like i'm just playing my guitar and this is you know i only god knows why (laughs) we were doing that it was one of those days where just shit was just crazy yeah but i remember looking over the city and again, here's like this strip club that's not like one of the better strip clubs in Detroit. Actually, one that you might you, you enter at your own risk <laughs> from any. <laughs> but you know, I just remember looking down like at the light there, and just looking there, you know, out in the city, and just like I don't know, and it just kind of went into that mode. But like the whole records, like got that whole vibe to it. Everything that uh, it just became kind of our our style. And yeah. when they and when the people came in the labels to come and hear the songs, they're like, Wow. 
they're all good, but what are what are you guys? You know, we're right. like, to well, label this you. song we're this, on that song we're this, on this yeah. song you're that. Yeah. Yeah. But Jason Flom, who signed us, you know, at Lava, I remember after our several showcases, he told me, he goes, This album is gonna be as big as appetite destruction. You know, wow. You know, and I was like, Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like you know, think because of all the other feedback and not really knowing because we were really not conforming at all. We right. were taking a big opportunity with a record deal and not going to give them 10, 12 songs of ass-kissing commercial hits. You know? Right. We were going to go somewhere different. And it was cool because that was a time when, you know, it's like even just a lot of guitar playing was kind of missing from the songs. All of a sudden, like in the 90s, it wasn't cool to be able to play, to get to play a guitar solo or something. Right. Yeah. You know, oh, it's like, and it kind of made, you know, it's like, and I'm not, you know, like guitar solos, all that stuff, it's all about the feel. You know, there's people that are technically great that are really annoying to listen to because they don't come with that soul power. Right. But it just was missing for a little bit. And that mm-hmm. was a very blessing for me to have that hot seat as the lead guitar player in the band mm-hmm. because... I was able to do stuff from such different varieties, whether it was funk, funk, rock, blues, mm-hmm. like everything that I, you know, oh, here's a cool little simple little ditty. And we'd make this that into songs. We didn't overthink and try to have these like big yeah. verse, pre-chorus, bridge, this, that. And yeah. It's going to be like, yeah. we didn't, we just totally went at it with an open mind. So it was we made did. in the, like the most organic way possible. Yeah. And like like you said, the, Jason Flom's telling you it's going to be as big as Appetite for Destruction, but I guess at the time you're thinking, we're just figuring out who we are, uh, you know. Yeah, and like, we were all yeah. still, I mean, I was still in my 20s, Bob, we were like in our mid-20s and, you know, thinking, okay, wow, this is, uh, and for me it was bizarre because, you know, I came back from L.A. like going, shit, you know, back home again. What am I gonna do? And next thing I know, it's, within a couple of years, we're like about to be launched into this uh, craziness. getting out there we got a lot of cool support from such you know all these people that I never thought I would even like you know yeah becoming good friends with through the years and and I started like going yeah you know hearing these things with people like Keith Richards to I mean all I mean just all kinds of people that were just like coming out going wow we really dig this stuff you know and all of a sudden I was just like wow Keith Richards talked to you about like yeah, he was one of the people that uh have, that really uh came on board and said some really cool stuff about us as we were blowing up and that had to have been surreal that's when i got involved with the hendrix family as well and Mm -hmm. started like a lot of different legendary people were reaching out to me like oh we can't even want you to play on this want you to play on that and 
And when I was able to, or when I was told it was offered to me, because sometimes I didn't find certain things out, but yeah, that's a whole other story. But, uh, um, but it was, you know, I was very grateful for that happening. And the same thing was half, you know, that obviously Bob was, as Kid Rock, you know, was, uh, it was, as a front man, you know, he had that, you know, we just were able to take it to where, it went. It was pretty. We didn't. None of it, like we said, expected it. And Bob, you know, he uh, he did it his way. You know, he yeah. wasn't gonna, you know, let people uh, <clears throat> was conform, he conform him when when and then when people. I mean, we did shit where people didn't. They would tell us to do one thing and we would do the other just because it was. I mean, like we even once we made it. I remember we were playing the Grammys. You know, we started playing every award show known to mankind. Also, we're like in. Simpsons characters were like all this crazy yeah. shits going on but you know we had uh, you know we've always been known for having our part of the Twisted Brown Trucker band era we had the dancing cages and strippers and so we started doing these award shows and we started hiring like you know porn stars just for shock value because right. certain people and fans would see holy shit that's you know you know yeah. so, so, so and so in the cage and stuff so we were like put on this on the Grammys they were like you guys, no <laughs> way, no, no porn stars, no nothing. You, know, yeah. you got, got to just have professional dancers up there. So we went all out and hired the most famous porn stars, <laughs> known to mankind, that all were in the cages during this thing, and they just like, you know, they had to let that one slide. We had, uh, but there was that's not even close to some of the other stuff. I mean, there were gigs back when I remember we were on Warp tour. And they did, uh, you know, we had to prove ourselves, too, even on that. Because you were mm. like, you know, coming in, when you're first coming out of this band called Kid Rock, you know, and you got a Josie, you know, got three foot nine guy running around, too. And the people that are like, all the old rockers and the people that I even grew up from, the old rockers and punk guys and the punk guys, they were not knowing what, quite what to think. But <coughs> the way, uh, I mean, we, we went out and we proved ourselves. We didn't take any shit. And... Uh, Bob was that, you know, that front guy that knew that, you know, he's quite, the, he is that character, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's not an act. No, he's, you know, we were able to, like, but, but did it right. You know, we had a, we danced on the right edge with the shock value <laughs> of some of our stuff, you know, work, because we were still the whole time paying tribute and bringing back, you know, we were doing everything we can to bring back the real vibe of like everything from old rock to old hip hop to mm -hmm. old country to blues to even the jazz stuff and everything. We weren't, so we were still getting all the respect, and a lot of old timers were looking at that did stuff. And like, you know, you got, you look back in the day when they were real rock stars that mm -hmm. did shit. Yeah. They really trashed hotel rooms. They really did, yeah. did all this stuff. And nowadays, there's none, these are all. Yeah. Yeah, and he was he was kind of like one of the last <laughs> representatives of that type we, of we were rock one star. of the last, but we were you know we weren't like a lot of it. Like I said, is shock value. Sure, we got our shit done. We didn't. We weren't a bunch of idiots. You know, studio. We worked our asses off. Mm -hmm. We played our shows. We were, you know, we weren't all messed up or anything. We, you know, people thought that we didn't care. Yeah, you know, it's like because because it was part of. You know, we didn't have that image, so we might as well just, you know, view yeah. that. But we weren't, you know, we didn't, we weren't like train wrecks like that. We, you know, we had our fun mm -hmm. and did some outrageous stuff that, no, we did. <laughs> that wasn't, we didn't harm anybody. You know, it was more, uh, 
all in good fun. But there was there was definitely some fun shenanigans in those. Yeah, we never really thought that record. I mean, I mean, we all believed in it, and we were going to let it do what it was going to do. But you know, we were uh, going to make it happen either way. But we just had no idea that. I mean, there was like six singles off that first mm-hmm. record, at yeah. least I think seven, maybe. I don't know. It was a lot. I mean, we we were they kept us on the road for um, over three three and a half years. Wow, nonstop until we started doing the cocky album. So, yeah. so it was so pretty marketed much, the hell out of that. Yeah, we went in and so out of the country. After that, History of Rock came out, and that was old songs, right? Yeah, History of Rock wasn't really a record. We didn't go in. That was like. Five, that was just a bunch of old songs. So right. There's a few things that we played on on that, but for the most part, it's just all like a greatest hits of Bob right. when he was independent kind gotcha. of thing. Gotcha. His whole plan of doing that was was come along, but it was like like when him and I joined forces, he knew he's like, oh, here's Kenny. He's like, he's, he's every style across the board. He loves to just right. make it. You know, it's your own because it's not really about. Playing, it's if you have your own style, you can do any kind of music you really want, and it'll come out if you got your own voice doing it. Right. You know, if yeah. you if you sound like everybody else, and then you try and do it, then you're caught in that trap. Mm-hmm. But gotcha. yeah, it makes sense. we we were able to kind of establish this unique sound when I just heard a certain thing. It was like, and we did it without compromising to saying we're a hard rock fan or we're rap fan or we're metal fan or we're country whatever. We didn't. They couldn't do it to us and yeah and it was so funny is because we were so we got thrown in with so many different things i mean we were constantly on trl so it was like that's that same era with destiny's child and Mm, britney spears and justin timberlake and tlc yeah and we were like the bad boys of all those bands that were doing that having that whole mtv uh you know push behind us which was great because it definitely you know, helped in us uh, getting to where we went. But um, that was kind of an end of an era too, because yeah. you guys were one of the the final groups of bands that were actually getting featured musically on MTV. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was cool, and you know, and all of us kind of you know even those same people. And you look where they became stars now, and it was cool because everybody you know, it was a lot of just a lot of cool people you met along the way, and you got to see them. Rise this thing, and people wouldn't, you know, my kids or anything wouldn't believe if I said, Oh, yeah, I know, you know, so they, you know, I just leave it alone. I just, yeah. it's yeah, my, you, my own memories. Of course, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my, well, you guys yeah. rub shoulders with pretty much the entire pop world at that yeah. point because you yeah. were right there with them on the charts, and then with all the old rock legends and blues legends, and <laughs> yeah, stuff, you kind of got to meet everybody, I guess. It was, you know, I'm very grateful for a lot of you know, there's a lot in the music industry, there's a very dark side to it, so the. Like I said the highs are high and the lows can be very low because there's a lot out there that people don't know what you go through. But you know, in a nutshell, I mean, I'm just uh, for someone like me that struggled when I was younger in school to even graduate. <laughs> you know, I was grateful that I've been able to make a living. You know, from my teenage years till now. You know, doing right. what I love to do and so. But when you sign up for that, you don't. You know, you don't come from you know, you, you know, you're just a real person like everybody else, living right, from yeah. day to day, and you come from that. You just uh, you try and tell me it's not it, all of like Van Halen videos. <laughs> oh man, oh, we had some. What you know, it, it got to where it was like you know, there was once all that stuff flew up, it was it was crazy because we were that was like the last era of. It's like a weird era because we 
you know, cell phones were coming out. Of course they were because we had $1,500 roaming charges on each of our phones. <laughs> but the cameras on them were like ones that you could take like a yeah. you know, like a toy camera. Yeah. So there wasn't like much, and there wasn't any social media then. No, so everything was still old school. So people actually were just going out and buying our records and CDs. Even the Napster thing, all that stuff came in years following. Yeah. That, right? So... And that did affect, you know, our record sales of our following records because we had that, you know, we're put on this pedestal of like, wow, these guys that are 13 million copies. At that point, we maybe 11 million of our debut album. I'm just going off what the always yeah. accurate Wikipedia yeah, told me. Some, it's something like that, something <laughs> yeah. crazy. I wouldn't know because that's where those other people get involved in, you know, most artists <laughs> don't see everything they're supposed to get. Oh, so, I'm you know. sure you're right. <laughs> And especially nowadays, because no one even buys music anymore. It's, you know, zeros have dropped off of everybody's royalty checks because there's no, it's just, you know, and to keep track of it, even if they did, a whole other rocket science yeah, issue it's as well. coming from so many different sources now. Yeah, it's, you know, so playing out live, and you, that's why, you know, you see a lot of legendary people getting back out there playing. Well, you know, big part of it is because of the love for doing it. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people like me that will just do it till, even if we were retired or not. I mean, mm. I'm not, but people that even are, they get the itch, you know. You gotta, sure. Well, it's, it's always like in out there. You want to, you know, it's, but yeah, I've never even, that's not really an option for me. I'm <laughs> just uh, going to keep doing what I do. And, you know, you watch the industry change a lot, but that was, I was very grateful to experience the, that. You know, being someone my age where I got to be seasoned and influenced by that, you know, everything from the Detroit Rock City, the British Invasion, to, you know, the Motown and the, even the punk rock era, the whole funk through the 70s, all that stuff poured in. And that's when I was learning, you know, I started playing guitar in the 70s, late 70s. Mm -hmm. you know, I've been playing for a long time and I know what I wanted to do for a long time, you know, because it was. I figured that out at a young age. This is where I'm going to fit in, you know, somehow in life. So, was there ever like one single guitar player that you seen and was like, "Yep, that's what I got to be"? Well, I always tell people because I there were so many that influenced me, and not even just guitar players. You know, it's like you know, I listen to like an R&B diva singer sing, and I'm like, "Oh man, that just takes me to church." You know, it's like that Holy Ghost orgasmic, just like whoa. And what is that person feeling when they're singing that? Yeah. So I'd wanted, I used to listen to like even singers to when I got Bitches Brew, Miles Davis. Mm. I was 10 years old. I couldn't figure out the guitar parts, but I could listen to Miles Davis's horn lines and go, that's cool, you know, and just yeah. try to bend with it. But I mean, when I was a kid, my family, well, I'll tell the story too, is because they had, uh, and I was blessed. My parents are from that era where they had some pretty cool records, you know, and, um, they, so there was, you know, every a lot of cool albums in in the house, and they took they would take me and my sister to certain concerts where they couldn't find a babysitter, and I'd be sitting there at grass stains at some outdoor shed or you know show, like going yeah, you know whatever. But it poured in, even though I didn't realize it at the time. But uh, I think uh, when Foxy Lady became a hit, 
and it was three years after Jimi Hendrix had died. Mm. And it started becoming all over the radio. Yeah. And then whenever I'd hear that song, I'd just go right into air guitar. Yeah. Or take off running off the house without any clothes on, because I was a kid, you know, I was <laughs> yeah. five years old. Four, wow, you it's know, a pretty undeniable <laughs> riff. Yeah. Five years old, so I would just be like, and so technically, if we're going way back to when I first heard electric guitar, I went, hell yeah, that was Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Which, yeah, that was uh, definitely, um, but him along with a lot of other people, I remember uh, there's just certain things you hear, and it's like it's crazy because you wonder if, uh, I don't know, they just they just take you to a whole nother planet. You know, I remember the first time I heard the guitar solo with to time Pink Floyd you know mm. it was like in that 70s era and I was just around all these people and all these burnouts or with their headbands you know just some kid looking at a bunch of people at the park you know smoking weed and whatever and or wherever we were in some little arcade thing you know where there's um, pinball machines and stuff and they're just listening and I, and I heard that solo and I was just like whoa you know like it was like it, but it was singing to me yeah. you know it sang to me you know just like when I heard guys like Robin Trower and people like that when you're younger just like the, even the slower ones I was just like when you hear the players like that you know that they're able to there's this thing this consciousness I guess where it's like almost like and I strive for because there's nothing better and even if and when I go there and I'm not thinking of anything else and I go into this other planet mm -hmm. even completely sober I can be you know and just like just you just go this other place and you're just free and it's like you're just riding it's like you're flying in the wind yeah. but yeah. you're on the guitar and you just go into this other place and yeah. it's like someone else plays through you it's interesting but there's certain players that just have that and that was uh, something that the people that had that are the ones who influenced me right I mean you listen to people and you there's certain guitar players and you hear them you go oh you know look at like Carlos Santana right mm -hmm. Carlos plays a solo you know it's him look at yeah. <laughs> Billy, oh, yeah. Billy Gibbons and yeah, Randy Rhodes yeah. obviously you know, Fraley, Ed, yeah. Eddie Van Halen yeah. so, yep. you know, Billy Gibbons uh, oh yeah for sure Billy Jeff Beck yeah. Jimmy Page you know, all these guys like, that have their own voices through their guitars yeah. like Stevie Ray Vaughan and, and, yeah. and those aren't the kind of guitar players that could co come here to Nashville and be sought after session players because they only do their own thing right yeah. they're not that they isn't their skill to be able to be some little chameleon kid that doesn't you know that they're, they're they're who they are and their voice is part of who they are as a person. Right. It's like they're, you know that that's them. I mean, you look at like Slash guys like that. You know, oh definitely, yeah. You know these people are, you know, because they're so much who they are. It's yeah. just, but there you got great players. I mean, you look at like Keith Richards for example. I mean, Keith is rock and roll. I mean, the guys like you look at all the beautifulness and the simplicity. Hmm. Of the great all the Stones hits. I mean, that guy's written and played guitar more big hits than anybody will ever will. Yeah. You know, it will never be surpassed. You know, right? And it's uh, but it's all you know. You listen to even the writing and stuff. You know, you got guys that just really can take you there. You know, Neil Young. These people that have. You know, you listen to like the old interpretation of like you know like the Stooges, Iggy, where it was just taking old or MC Five was taking old blues, mm. you know, songs. You know, like it's uh, and just belting it out. You listen to like old Holland Wolf, Hubert Sumlin, who I oh yeah, Hubert he's Sumlin. Hubert's like one of my favorite people I ever met in my life. He was uh, 
and we did the Hendrix tours together and we shared buses you know him and I were on the same bus and we were together every day for good lengths of time and just hearing the old stories but, oh I'm sure he's got and, a million of them oh yeah, and here's the guy who influenced all those guys I right, mean right. Like Hendrix Keith Rich Keith paid for his funeral wow I mean but if you take like you know like everybody from all these great guitar legends you know they were all influenced by that I mean, the Stones is basically if you take a Hank Senior record and a Muddy Waters record and a Holland Wolf record and you yeah. squish it all and shake it up together, you got you know the beginnings of like some legendary ingredients. That's you know? true. And it's and you listen to these like like Huber. I mean, in my opinion, you know, and I was he's. I mean, I've Les Paul obviously with the electric guitar, amazing innovator, and just amazing musician, genius. And I was very blessed I got to work with Les Paul, you know, through the you know years and play on his last record and and play with him live and stuff. And that was amazing, you know, as far as I, you know, the electric guitars, he's part of the birthplace of it, just like <laughs> right. Leo no Fender, totally. you know. And but Hubert is one of those people that was probably like the first rock and roll guitar player because mm -hmm. he listened to Howlin' Wolf and he had that big voice. And back then, they didn't have, you know, the big, they could go into a small little place and his voice was so loud that Hubert had to turn up that little <laughs> tube amp in the corner and just play. And you and you take that big raspy voice and you play a blues progression with your amp breaking up and what do you got? You got rock and roll. Yeah, rock and roll. And Hubert played on a lot of stuff that people didn't even know that he played on and oh, really? got credit for back in the day that was... You know, rock and roll that was put more into the whole mainstream radio thing, and you know, yeah, and people like that are the real, the real deal, Holyfield to me. You know, and just the, you know, and like I remember going on tour, one of the Hendrix tours with Hubert and I, and I just quit playing with Kid Rock, you know, and stuff. With, and it was kind of, uh, you know, it was symbolically and just. The people was me, Billy Cox, and Mitch Mitchell, and Mick Taylor. Wow. And Eric Gale's all sharing a bus. Jeez. And, what a lineup. And so every day and day out, you know, it's just but the, the stories and stuff that come out. Yeah. And, you know, all those Hendrix tours. I mean, me, I got, I mean, it was so blessed because a lot of the people that I got to work with through all that stuff with Paul Rogers and I'm being as a band together doing some of those shows and Shaka Khan, Bootsy Collins, and obviously Mitch, you know, and um, Billy Cox, who's like my, I mean, Billy's been so good to me through the years, and we've done so much cool stuff. I've played on his records, he's played on my records, and we've done the Hendrix stuff together, and we did uh, me and Buddy Guy and uh, Eric Gales and I, I did, that didn't make sense. I said me my, and myself, I, twice, see. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Kids, we'll don't do you. to your brain what I did to mine. <laughs> <laughs> this will happen. <laughs> Um, but anyway, we did this album called The Return of the Band of Gypsies. And that was in, um, would have been Jimmy's 60th birthday. Mm. And we went out to the EMP and Paul Allen, we had this, and we made a live album. And Buddy Miles is um, a drummer in, 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 you know, on it. It's Billy Cox and, you know, like I said, Buddy Guy and Eric Gales and I. And, uh, you know, there's a, lot, there's a lot of just really cool stuff that, you know, was happening. And, along with everything that was going on at that time. Yeah. So it was uh, very, very grateful for uh, those opportunities and to have that. Because now, you know, I see like these new bands and stuff and people out trying to get record deals and how they go about getting the deal and the mm -hmm. followers, all the stuff. It's just so, like, I don't even, I'm 
speechless really it's like i just yeah. look at it all going this is just not even real anymore this is like, there's no different. the soul and substance is just like right. where to go there's mm. no going out and earning it yeah there isn't and then they, they just fabric fake it it's like a big factory you know yeah it used to like when devil out of cause you know when we did that going back to that record we earned our way to get those songs on the radio right now and it was illegal to pay to have a song put on there now that is exactly how it runs yeah you're not you're not going to mainstream radio unless you got six figures that's crazy and then they just put and then you start playing a chart because you're paid to be put in rotation yeah you might get even paid it played at four o'clock in the morning yeah and these people you got everybody running around go look at we're number two in the charts we're we're just we're ahead of so and so and so and so and i'm like yeah and they just fidget all that stuff to yeah. make it look because now everybody everybody just wants to be a rock star or a big country star or whatever they want to be or a pop star Yeah, and they're not about the real shit about it you know and it's like and they're trying to hold on to the stuff you can't leave behind mm. and you can't take material things or a fake image or the big old fake everything with you Yeah, but sure. you can leave behind a you know a legacy and stuff that carries on timeless music really you know right. well i guess you That's got I'm yeah. glad for what we do you know we we yeah. actually seek out young real bands guys like denman you know black heron bands like yeah. that that'll be at the expo and you know it's cool to know that if you look hard enough they're still out there there's these yeah. young guys that are picking up guitars and drums and bass and oh, singing are. and rocking you know and it, you know <laughs> you're not going to hear it on the radio because they're real you that's know? and I'm, I'm always looking for that too because you know i produce as well and i like finding those people because i don't go into a session with a produce as a producer and change up what people are who they are right. it's my job like a coach to bring out the best in them yes, and yeah. get a guitar player or a singer or a drummer get in there and go in there and perform <laughs> and not remember what they did and convince them that they've made beautiful mistakes because they're overthinking what they're doing and what they already just did if you're producing right or you're teaching somebody if you're not learning at the same time you're not doing it right you're mm. just running your mouth yeah, you're sense. just you're just like a tape recorder just reciting telling people what they want to hear it's just a bunch of bullshit yeah because you got to really understand it and feel it emotionally to interact with that person and tell them you know and i was very flat you know i learned a lot of that from working with a lot of the greats you know through like guys like eddie kramer who did all the hendrix and zeppelin oh, wow. stones i've worked with eddie on several records and he's a great man but and a good friend but i like to watch you know all these great people i've been in those situations back you know especially the ones who really know how to record the art of it doing it mm -hmm. and separating everything and nowadays people just listen to music it's all squashed and compressed and they listen to it on a little speaker and <laughs> and we got out there but there is like you said that whole group of younger kids you know i have kids and i see you know see my kids friends and and I see all these, you know, it's it's firing. I love to see it because they'll have, you know, I'm a stroll. So I'm like, yeah, I want you to hear we're doing this thing. And there's a little kid, 12 years old, sort of <laughs> talking to me about, you know, Tom Waits or somebody cool. I'm like, oh, what do you know about Tom Waits? <laughs> I like this kid. And they're looking yeah. at their dad who I grew up with or somebody like going, you weren't cool like this when you were younger, but your kid's awesome. <laughs> it's like, you sure this isn't my kid? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess that's one benefit to the internet is a lot of the younger generation through YouTube yeah. and stuff, they're discovering all the, the yeah. greats, you know. What, what you guys, it's awesome what you guys are doing. I'm just flowing smoke because you guys are my friends, but it's, um, you look back and like, 
the late 60s and 70s and you look like a cream magazine mm-hmm. and these people that were just it was all about real yeah it real and stuff yeah. and nowadays that's what you guys are well we try in a lot of yeah. ways you're doing what that was sure. a formula i mean now you're doing a lot of that and more and a bunch of other things but that is part of the void that what you guys are doing what mm-hmm. i love about what you're doing is it's it's real it's not we're not worried about even all the projects i'm doing right now i'm not worried about at this point in my life i have nothing to prove i've already been there done that with that whole corporate world of right kissing their ass and signing off on everything just to get my name on something or just be back out there in that formula right you know i didn't come from that world and nor did anybody i respect i mean you look at the bands like metallica or the mm-hmm. red hot chili peppers you know they're soundgar all these bands i mean all these guys i knew you know i've known forever they're my dear good friends and i knew them before mm-hmm. it really got out of you know out of hand and stuff like that but they started out playing in little clubs and sure. yeah. worked their way into getting a record deal and they built their following the old way yeah it's like an add world period right now no one gives a shit about who's going to be how long this artist is going to be they just become a memory of a time era right when friends hear a song go oh yeah remember that was back in yep 2000 whatever we used to jam to this thing and you know and people they don't know who played on anything anymore yeah no one cares there's no cd artifact anymore where you know i'd want to see what was played on stuff right yeah we're all about the liner notes oh yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> always have yeah. been They're right there yeah, yeah. and it's that's and that's why stuff. we do stuff and that's why you're around here it's frustrating for you know musicians because you go play on stuff and a lot of most people that get way underpaid to do it and they don't get any credit for doing it i mean i, I couldn't tell you how many times it's, it's so funny myself and even other friends but you've watched these videos and you see this guy playing air guitar and it's your guitar part oh. and that shit drives me nuts Millie Vanilli. I, I've, I've had to see it with my own guitar playing that sucks numerous times in major videos and be like they're like yeah that guy's a cool guitar player I'm like yeah I played that guitar player <laughs> that's me you're hearing <laughs> he's not even playing an air guitar in the right key idiot wow <laughs> Before we get back into our awesome conversation with the one and only Kenny Olsen, let's take a little break one last time and talk a little Rock and Pot Expo. Yeah. Because it's it's here now. Yeah. We're right on the door. I'm hoping like hell I can get this episode released before Rock and Pot Expo. <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll get it done. <laughs> oh, Lord help me. But yeah, it's uh, this weekend, Friday, pre-party at Mercy Lounge. Frank and Punky from Angel, Tora Tora, Ron Keel, Greg Mangus All-Stars. Gotta come to that. That's going to be a great show. It's going to be awesome. I hope, like hell, you guys have already... Because at this point, I think you already know if you're coming or not. Right. And I think you basically know what the rundown is. You know what's going on at the Expo. we got all the podcasts, all the vendors selling stuff, all the awesome legends and, you know, the future of rock and metal all combined in one place where you can come and intermingle and hang out and, yeah. and do that, you know. So you're more than welcome to come to both. Yeah, we love you listening, but we like it even better when we get to actually see you. Right, yeah, believe it or not, you can come look at us, gaze upon our beauty. Yeah, well... 
Maybe that's not a good selling point. I'm like, oh, I'm glad you're an audio podcast. We broke Facebook Live earlier. Yeah, we did. We probably did. <laughs> I could hear computer monitors cracking all over the country. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, thanks you guys so much. So everybody that donated for the guitar and also the people that donated to the expo. And uh, yeah, right, we're, yeah. We're, we're lined up to have a hell of a weekend and I, yeah, I'm we really excited for it. Definitely don't want to forget the people that just straight up made donations. Yeah. Because there was plenty all. of you, you know, and all the people that listen to the other podcasts yeah. too that are involved in this that have donated through them. You know, it's, it's thanks to you, listeners like you that make this happen, you know, and, and you're very loved and very appreciated for it so yeah and we'll have a big I sure hope you can come yeah me too and then we'll have a big recap after it's all over and yeah. we'll, we'll talk about how it went and everything and yeah. I've got a list a mile long of people to thank for helping me put this thing together because yeah. I definitely learned from last year don't try to do everything on your own it's a bad idea right yeah I'm glad to see you break down and get some help this year yeah instead I decided to try to close on a house and move at the same time <laughs> really fucking stupid you always find a way to fuck it up somehow. I know man. <laughs> next year what am I going to do in, in, in tandem with the expo oh, Man. So before we get back with Kenny, let's do the Amazon purchases for the past week. Yeah, you guys know about this. If you do your shopping on Amazon, we know you do because everybody does. When you do that shopping, what do you do? You just go to Amazon? Well, that's boring. Why just go straight to Amazon? Why don't you go to decibelgeek.com first? Take a minute, look around, see what you see. All kinds of awesome rock reviews. Yeah, albums, concerts, you name it. You got some interviews in there, some awesome photographs from live, photo, uh, from live concerts. Yep. And of course links to all the footage going on at youtube on decibel geek tv really all cool kinds stuff. of great stuff going on over there some really great new stuff we're going to be making announcements on i think announcements have already been made on facebook.com so if you're on facebook of course you want to like the decibel geek page but back to decibelgeek.com see how easy it is to get sidetracked all you do is Very. go to that website <laughs> and next thing you know you're watching decibel geek tv yeah. and then you're commenting on something on on facebook you yeah. know and then it's like oh man what did i go to decibelgeek.com for oh yeah to go on amazon so you go back to decibelgeek.com after this rock and roll adventure you click on the amazon banner right on the top of the page guess what boom you're at amazon now it's time to buy what you came there to buy you buy it you pay for it you don't pay a penny extra but what amazon does is because you know let's face it Amazon is made up of huge metalheads, yes. and they love Decibel Geek. So what they want to do is kick us a little bit of change every time you guys buy something. And the more people that buy stuff, the more it adds up, the more it helps us. You want to get a Decibel Geek t-shirt? Hey, do it. Definitely. You know Everything you can do to help, we love you and appreciate it for you. These are the people that bought stuff on Amazon because we know this because of the list. Yeah, we got a list of the stuff you buy, and some interesting stuff was purchased in the last week. An Intex Pure Spa six-person inflatable portable heated bubble hot tub those are awesome you can take them anywhere yeah uh colorie metrics white putty tape tecton half inch drive deep impact socket set nice somebody's doing some maintenance yeah a red devil painter six and one tool uh otterbox otterbox defender series case for iphone and iphone 7 a vinyl somebody bought some vinyl record inner sleeves archival quality oh nice uh, i don't know uh, what that means but it sounds cool it sounds cool uh for in music a band called ambush an album called firestorm was bought i haven't hmm. heard that yet have check that out and then uh, acdc poweridge on vinyl hmm have to check that out Oh, <laughs> best acdc album ever fight me if you want yeah it's hard to argue that yeah everybody should definitely own it for sure Thank you to everybody that does their shopping on Amazon through the Decibel Geek website. Like I said, we love and appreciate you very much, and you help us out a lot. It means something. It really does. Yeah. So, as we prepare for Rock and Pod Expo 2, we're going to leave you with this as we go back with Kenny Olson one more time, and we'll see you guys next week. 
realize a lot of people out there that to be as much control of your own destiny, you know, sure. doing it because it's uh, easy to fall in that situation where you just make a lot of other people rich. Yeah. You know, because you want to have that fame or whatever that moment up there which you need it takes money to yeah to do anything in life really any business you want to get into and it's definitely that in music because without you know from ground up from the sure backers yeah backers you know you got to get in there you got to record it you got to pay for lawyers to protect all the stuff you got to favor promotions you know you got to pay for social media everything now and you know, it's not even, there isn't even like a record deal out there that offers what they used to. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, when we did our deal with Atlantic, we, we were so far in the hole with them when, after we did Warp Tour and all that stuff, right up till about Woodstock. Really? You know, we were like, we were playing huge shows yeah. and playing with a lot of big people, but we were spending money. <coughs> you know, what you're making when you're at that level. And all of a sudden, after that, we were just insane because we, you know, I couldn't believe they said like a week after we played Woodstock, they're like, "Did you hear the sound scan this week?" And I'm like, "What?" And they're like, "You guys sold 250,000 units this week." And Jeez. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> right, so every two weeks we're gonna go gold on this, and every month it's going one more platinum. And they're like, "Yeah," and it just from mm-hmm. there it was just insane. Yeah, because like, that album didn't like it wasn't like an immediate hit. It took a little while, yeah, didn't it? Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. My first exposure to Kid Rock, though, was uh, "I Am the Bull God" was featured on the Strangeland movie soundtrack. Yeah, oh, yeah. and then, but see, that was one that was done way before that was added to that record. Too. Uh-huh. So that that was um, when we put that out. We hadn't even finished recording the record. We finished. We pretty much finished making the album. And. You know, right before it came out in 98. You know, oh, okay. We pretty much were... I mean, we recorded a lot of songs. And we really... Some of those songs, you know... I mean, we, we always did that for our records. Even, like, when we went to the Cocky album, a lot of that was written when we did the record. But mm. um, some of those songs were songs that we finished that were going to be on double lot of costs. Several of them were. I mean... Right. Even Jackson, Mississippi came out on our fourth record. Oh, I love that and I, I played the guitars. I did all those guitar parts back in like in ninety eight. Oh wow. Wow. And, and the song didn't come out until uh and it's my all my it changed lyrics. It was uh hmm. we did it one way and I did all the guitars and it didn't make the record and I was bummed because I was like Yeah, you know, I dug the guitar riff and everything. I was like, oh, that's damn so it. Killer. Oh, I love like that. the song's not making the album and it didn't make it was forgot about and we did the cocky record and all of a sudden <laughs> we were recording the self title record and I walk in the studio and Bob had the trap pulled up and I was like he's like, Now we're leaving everything that you did on there was the way it is and it's like I just find, I finally got it finished right and he finally wrote it you know the, the words and sent, had yeah. it figured out how he wanted it and then it came out but you know that's that's how it is with any bands you mm. know, there's stuff that if it's timeless yeah, it can sit there in the vault right. or unfinished for years I'm the <clears throat> king of that I've got hundreds of songs that, so when are you putting out your $2,000 Kenny Olsen vault experience yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's working for some other guy so yeah we, uh, <laughs> I know we got uh, I've got a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff going on I've been um, you know like I said I do have you know we are planning on going into that vault and taking 
there's several several albums I did I've done over the last 11 years, 10 years since I quit the band as fan the flask Eddie Kramer did that album with me and um, it's great great record that no one's ever heard that we never put out but at this point I'm like I wanted the stuff to come out sure you know I'm gonna have a little Kenny's different albums and stuff and I've got a lot of cool side projects along the ways with a lot of these a lot of really cool people that people don't know I have mm. unreleased stuff with them too because I started um you know, working on, you know, like whether it's old school legends and young school, but I, I've, you know, when I've had the chance, you know, I've got a studio sessions full of where I've just taken tracks and had people over to my house when they were in Detroit or when I was down here in Nashville or whatever, and they've came over and, you know, against their manager's will, because, well, not against it, because they didn't <laughs> tell them, because that's the key thing is you don't tell them. Yeah, oh, yeah. You don't want to get them involved. You, do? you just, get, her, just <laughs> yeah. get them over to the house and be like, hey, why don't you look fit a rhyme or yeah. throw something on this track right here, you know? going to be you know so and so's on the track I always have all these mm. great players I'm like oh can I be on that do that and I'm like sure oh that's cool but but finding the outlet to actually yeah. put a lot of that stuff out is not easy either because it's not like what it used to be I don't no one has a major label where you can just keep going back to and be like here's another track put it out there market it right it. you know because they're not you can't just put it out there and get the return off of it right there is no it's risky but the fact that uh I haven't given up on that, but uh, you know, there's things I was just talking to my buddy, you know, DJ Hurricane from the Beastie Boys. We took some stuff from old Rick Rubin beats and vault stuff from the vault that they had from the old Beastie Boys stuff. <laughs> and me and uh, Steve Perkins from Jane's Addiction drums, you know, I've like, yeah. I wrote all this different music stuff for us. We got all these different things. We got all these different cameo singers on stuff, and we're still trying to figure out. That sounds a, cool. A plan to do with that stuff. We got, yeah. Well, Steve and I in Norwood from Fishbone. Yeah. And Scott Page, saxophone player from Pink Floyd and Toto and all that stuff. We just played a show in LA um, a week ago, about a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And um, that we, I mean, we've been, you know, messing around with stuff for years, you know, revolving good friends for a long, long time. And, kind of went through that whole era back in the late 80s and early 90s and yeah you know we were in projects and playing stuff intertwined and like and then obviously jane's addiction blew up and norwood and fishbone and all his stuff and but in the recent years we've been you know like having a lot of fun just figuring out what to do with them. yeah and you know you see what's happened with some of these other little all-star things that they're like going out and just doing covers of a bunch of each other's songs right we've actually been like this is original creating, creating some really cool stuff it's just been but it's hard to get everybody's schedules together but last week we did a thing we just to throw some show together we did more of like this Pink Floyd tribute kind of thing mm. our own variation of it but it was a blast because you know like you know I had it just was so much fun especially with you know and Steve and Norwood, my buddy Robbie. I mean, the players at all showed up and played. It was even even Corey Feldman got on stage and sang the verse to Money. Wow. <laughs> he get, he did good. He did. He sang it. He sang it. He got up there and rocked it. And uh, it was, well, you know, in L.A., you never know expect yeah, who's going right. to show up. Yeah. You know, it's it's always fun when I go out there. I've been out there quite a bit this year because you got to. You know, it's nice being here in Nashville, but I gotta spend my time back home in Detroit and do stuff up there as well in LA and New York mm -hmm. and Atlanta. And yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm looking forward to getting back 
out on the road and taking a lot of the stuff to the, you know music we we were just talking about you know you we've just um when you were mentioning wisconsin yeah we went up there and did that seven day binge record for my singer has a place up there and uh that record is being mixed right now and we're gonna be putting that out we did an album I guess it was seven years ago the first Seven Day Binge record came out but yeah. everybody was so busy with different things and I'm really excited about that record as well because we are definitely going to cool. be doing dates to support that once it comes out and it's um, I mean it's straight up like old rock and roll we did this I mean that's we did the record the same way like not the same way but like same concept we put a studio in uh, this big house out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of winter in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. I mean, I'm from Michigan, and you think it's cold there. But there <laughs> it was like, I mean, 10 degrees was like a sunny day, you know, nice sunny day. <laughs> so we basically were confined to that yeah. house for 30 days. Focused. And there was no, not a song written going into it. Mm-hmm. And walked away after 30 days with, you know, 12 songs. So That's 13 awesome. songs we'd wrote. And, uh, and a lot of, you know, living... And life was poured into that record, but it's uh, that but that band. We're just it's always been a, just it's a straight ahead, just barbed wire rock and roll kind of thing. It's not, and it's just it takes from all the organic, it's groove, you know, mm-hmm. oriented, and it's got the old substance to it, you know, that old gritty bluesy kind of thing. But it's just real. It's also right in your face kind of thing. It's it's definitely. Uh, Something I'm really looking forward to people in the hearing, and we'll you know, people will be hearing about it because we're definitely going to be uh, getting way behind it, and I'm yeah. looking forward to because it, it was a lot of nice. a lot of good yeah. hard work. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Yeah, I got some stuff on the phone. I'll play it for you guys tonight. Yeah, you know, I love to hear it. It's the unmixed versions, but it's uh, it's it's pretty cool. You know, I think it's uh, going to find its way out there. And plus, we have a debut album we did with David Z. We put it like Purple Rain and stuff, but uh, our debut album we did years ago was, I mean, it's definitely uh, definitely a great album as well, which that'll finally see the daylight too, because we got it. We were in a kind of a, we were in a shitty record deal when yeah. it came out, and uh, things just kind of went south. And everybody in the van has still got other big stuff they're doing too, so yeah, but. After this fall, we're taking some time to really focus and get the record out. Right. And I'll be going back out with uh, um, Scott and Steve Perkins in Norwood. We got some dates, that, more dates we're going to be doing. Maybe leaving the country for a few dates here this year as well, and then next year, hopefully between the my solo stuff and the. My all-star band with those guys out west and the seven-day binge stuff. My documentary and um, you really need a yeah. hobby, Kenny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to fill up that free time. <laughs> I, I do with with binge watching on my iPad. <laughs> now I've got you know I it it definitely is crazy. And then being a father, that's first and foremost. That's uh, sure you know it takes up uh, that's my number one priority. And, uh, but my kids are all like, Dad, just get out there and do what you do. Yeah. They're all, you know, grown. My youngest is 16. So, yeah. You know, they're, 
you know, they know what dad does and what dad's got to do. So that's cool. They want to feel like, yeah. Besides my dad, he look, he's, you know, because they don't, a lot of, you know, my youngest, it's like he was side stage, you know, like he doesn't, I don't remember all the tour of us or the, all the tours we did with Metallica and me mm-hmm. walking, dad walking out in front of 80,000 people every night. Wow. You know, raising my hands going, yeah. <laughs> you know, that was, that was definitely my, the rush of all rushes there. I can like, imagine. That's definitely my drug of choice at this point in life would be to just, you know, it's uh just to see all those screaming fans out there yeah and for them to be cheering back because it was uh yeah i've had some uh incidents where i remember uh was that when Mata- we were out on the summer sanitarium tour and uh james hetfield got hurt and we were in atlanta and uh so it was whether we were going to can metallica was going to cancel or not and, you know here we're you know we're playing speedways so Eighty eighty some thousand people plus <clears throat> at these shows, right? And James got hurt, you know. So he that's yeah, established. Oh, yeah, he fucked up his back or hurt his slip in his back over on, I think it was Lake Vernier or whatever, and outside of, like by Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And he was like wakeboarding or something. So, you know, it's it wasn't established quite what the plan was going to be, yeah. but it was like you know. System of the Down, Power Man 5000, Us, Corn, and Metallica on that tour. And uh, I remember, uh, and you know, James and I go way back to, you know, when I lived in LA and stuff, and we've been friends for a long time. And he was like, you know, he's sitting there pretty much in a stretcher, and he's like, Kenny, can you, uh, can you pull this off? Can you go out there, you know, and just you guys just entertain these people with like, you know, do a Metallica, you know, a bunch of Metallica tunes, but just have some fun with it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like looking at him like, wow, okay. So you're saying I got to walk out in front of 80,000 people after Lars tells them that you're not going to be coming on stage. Hmm. That's a tall order. Uh, uh, yeah, like, heading to the gallows. And, and James, <laughs> you, you got this. You know, so Kirk and I, um, we went in there and I was like at that point I was like holy shit I gotta learn a bunch of songs and I go into the rehearsal room there and we're working on tunes me and Jason Newstead and Lars and Kirk were just trying to figure out what we're gonna do and we were Jason was gonna sing a lot of the songs the first night and eventually we had to do this for three nights really everybody got more involved but the first night it was like a couple of the other guitar players you know like you know like you know Head Monkey and Corn they had you know they were gonna get on stage and play some stuff too and and guys from Systems of Down they knew some Metallica stuff Mike knew Power but but I had to I had to go in first well, <laughs> it was like, you <laughs> you know and it was like and had to do the main portion of the thing and Jonathan from Corn and Bob were gonna come up and mm-hmm. do their thing as well and uh, so so worried about learning all the songs you know in the rehearsal place I wasn't really thinking about the fact that my wardrobe case and all my guitars had like we had already played our show so by the time i'm like doing this and i go back and they're like your stuff's, your stuff's like already in the <laughs> top and the, in the dance floor of the semi which is the front of the trailer oh, jesus or your guitars were all already up front and all this stuff and your clothes i'm like really 
I'm sitting there, I got a pair of sandals on and a pair of shorts, which is not like, I mean. <laughs> it's not very metal. Yeah, it's not, I mean, if you see how my legs, I have white chicken legs. The only reason people want me to take walk around with my pants off would be to guide the way if there was a blackout. And like, Follow Kenny's little chicken legs, white, you know. So, especially with shorts, because I can not have in sandals. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, fuck me and I'm like going on the bus I'm like alright what am I gonna what am I gonna wear you know and I'm about to walk out you know I'm already like what are they gonna say when all this stuff and yeah so basically I didn't have any wardrobe change you know all the boots and leather pants everything was all gone so at this point I'm like fuck it I'm just gonna do what I have here and then I we on my on the bus we had this uh chrome fender custom shop strat that was a 35th ford mustang anniversary tribute guitar it was a mm. real beautiful expensive guitar but not the greatest sounding guitar oh. you know, it's made out of chrome it's not made out of wood so but that was my only guitar yeah. that i had access to because all my my guitar vaults were like you know in a semi on the way down because we had to keep up with metallica right they had two different back lines for everywhere we were going mm. and all the other bands had to like stay with our own back line stay on track with theirs so all my you know guitars were on their way to the next show <laughs> so I'm like so I had that guitar and at this point they're like we'll use James's you know I'm 5'11 James is you know quite a bit taller than me and uh, and we both I play my guitar low but James plays his like like to his right at his thigh yeah. his knees right you watch him play and he you know hunches over and does oh, his yeah. thing so him having a few inches height on me you know it's like you know and they're already like all taped down with the wireless yeah. packs and everything yeah, they're in place. so you know I had to roll with it you know and like playing like Creeping Death all the stuff with the guitar down and my you know shins back basically <laughs> with sandals but I just never I never forget like sitting there like over there with um Aiden, who was James's guitar tech, later became mine, and he was just sitting there like, "All right, you got this, Kenny." And Lars goes to give the speech to everybody. Well, got some bad news, you know, and some good news, you know, for everybody. And they're all like, "You know, it's eighty thousand Metallica fans." Oh my god! You know, and and I've been on I've been on tour with them at this point. We already toured with them for almost two years. Yeah, here and in Europe, you know, opening up for them. So I know the Metallica. Yeah. fan base you know pretty passionate yeah I mean they're <laughs> die hard as it gets you know true yeah. true true fans and uh, you know and they were love. you know it's not like you know we'd already been on the road with them a long time and so we were it was cool for especially Kid Rock because we were able to tour with whoever and it would still make sense alright but he announced that James wasn't going to be on stage and the whole crowd's like Ooh, oh, no. It's like, oh, shit. Here it comes. <laughs> and he's like, but we got some good news. We're going to, like, you know, pull a show together for you. And we got some special guests. And we're going to start out, you know, we're going to bring out our friend Kenny, you know, Kid Rock. And I'm like, oh, and this is, you know, and I'm sitting there with a pair of shorts on, <laughs> you know, and sandals, like, really not feeling like, you know, right. and, I, and I got all these Metallica songs going through my head. Like, what's, you know. Trying to remember everything. Yeah. But the crowd was awesome. They were all like, yeah. you know, cheering really loud and walked out there and got to do what I did an hour and a half earlier, two hours earlier with Kid Rock, you know, because I'd always walk out and uh. start the show with the intro thing. And that was always my thing. Just get the audience like, yeah, motherfuckers, you know. Right. And, uh, <laughs> 
so it, it worked out and everybody all the other guys in the van all stepped up and joined and then it turned into you know for three nights we did that yeah you know until James was back with us you know for that and it was uh you know it was quite a I remember after the show we played and um we went from Atlanta to Sparta Kentucky which was this following the the speed is part of the speedway the yeah. Kentucky speedway and we uh, straight from there me and uh, Bob and Ed and Monkey and Jonathan a few of us were that were all kind of the core guys helping them get through the gig we all were flying a Metallica jet so we the next show was in Dallas so we're literally like we called up Vinny and Dime you know and told the boys <laughs> that we were coming and nice they held the club open and, you know, and we fly into the jet and go straight to the club after we play a show. Wow. Sparta, so I don't know what time in the morning this was. Pretty damn late. <laughs> Basically, it's like everybody was getting ready to go home and Vinny and Daryl, they're like, oh, keeping open all night. Because <laughs> then we ended up over at Vinny's house afterwards. It was it was a lot of fun. We were just, uh, you know, you get all of us together. It was always a good time. A little bit of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. yeah. All we did was watch the 700 Club on a I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Roasted marshmallows. Yeah. 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 You know, tuna fish sandwich wedges. Milk and cookies. Potato chips, yeah. you know. Yeah. Scrabble. <laughs> Scrabble with Minnie and Doc. Yeah. Yeah. And they were there. God, I just... Life will not be the same without those two. You've got that right. It hasn't been in... Losing, you know, and dying when he, but it's just they're what great people those two were. And I know that the world shares that same opinion, but they, uh, they were like, you know, those are two examples of, you know, we talk about, you know, a band that they're the epitome of a great band example of a band that gained this following. I first heard of them, I was in New York, mm. and it was like, you know, like in the late. 80 or like 80s whatever and I had these friends of mine you know, the whole Monster Magic crew all those people all the f- friends I grew up with in the 80s in the New York scene too playing out there we're all like man you heard this band Pantera and I heard them I was like whoa you know <laughs> and they, they look at their their following and fan base is real oh part, yeah part Definite of what that grass, is, grass is yeah. if you ever watch those two interact with all their Fans, they weren't yeah. fans. They were part of them. Yeah, they were like family to them. They were family. Yeah, and they uh, they were always like that with everybody. And they and that's what part of their blessing, you know. Even with their shit eating grins, you know, they have this angelic wings behind them because of the people. Yeah, they touched in their lives and the people they made feel. You know, it was like a way of life for a lot of their fans. But Definitely. they, but they were. They love their fans. Yeah, they, they weren't their fans; they were their friends. That's true. And that was uh, something I always ad- admired about those guys. Yeah. That, and there's a lot of other people that are like that. It's, you know, the people you find, like even like a lot of the old living rock legends and blues legends, are the ones that are most humble. It's like you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's a drag when you meet the people that are just like real. Yeah. Just. Yeah. You know, there's just like this narcissist control freak people that just somehow woke up one day believing that they were better than everybody else and yeah and they just end up being just a big downer to everybody else around them, yeah. you know and and that's just them overcompensating for whatever it is they're lacking somewhere else you know yeah it's always the you know and that's 
you know, but I've done a lot of rambling in my mouth. You guys ask me some questions. We like doing it. We like to ramble. <laughs> I remember back in the day, uh, I remember seeing Joe C. on WWE. Oh. Funny stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Did you get to do any of those wrestling shows with those guys? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Uh, well, that was, Joe C. was always, that was like his... Uh, his bedroom at his house, you know, Easton Taylor, Michigan. Little guy, he had. Uh, well, I mean, he was the hugest wrestling fan of all those guys. That was like his. And to see like Joe, you know, like when we first met Joe, he was. Um, you know, I didn't even. He came to a show that me and uh, it was like an early Kid Rock years. It wasn't even. I think even Marshall Eminem was at the show um, before he blew up, but a bunch of us were there, and he was there, and I didn't really put two and two together. I just thought maybe someone brought their six-year-old to a show, and right. mm. you know, and I like didn't really pick up on all right, of it. Right? Yeah, how would you know? We just been uh, looking. Yeah. yeah, and then we uh, like I don't know a week or so later, me and Bob and Cracker and. Uh, his band was pretty small then. It was just me and Cracker and Bob and a bass player and a drummer. Mm-hmm. And um, so we were just having a little rehearsal. And in walks this dude with a full-on mullet. And Joe, see, but I didn't know. I just thought this was this guy's kid. You know? Yeah. Right. So we are like rehearsing. And then and Bob and Matt realized, you know, Cracker, Matt, you know, we were look, kind of looking at each other like going, Kenny doesn't. Kenny doesn't remember that this kid he, I don't think he was there for the whole long conversation after the show the other night right. to know that this kid is you know so here's all of us in our shenanigans because we're always playing pranks or whatever so they don't say shit to me so we're sitting there rehearsing and I look over and here's this little guy like and you know we had all our early shit that we used to do yeah you know before Double Out of Cause came out it was a lot of like songs like you want my balls in your mouth all this different stuff <laughs> right so everything was just cussed for his left and right. Yeah. And uh, so I look over, and here's this little, who I'm thinking is a six-year-old, going, <laughs> backing on hoes in the You know, I'm just like going, and I'm looking at the dude with the mullet going, <clears throat> quite the dad, aren't you? <laughs> you short trailer park did you come from? <laughs> like, what know? the fuck's wrong with you, man? <laughs> and I'm like, and then all of a sudden, the dude fires up a dude, and I was like, and I was like, you know, you know, but then all of a sudden he, I see Joe C grabbing. I was like, "What the what?" You know, I'm like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm about to call child protective services. Father and son at one point bonding when the son is a certain age and they have their first beer together. Yeah, but not at six. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, so I. Uh, but then Bob and Matt were just laughing their asses yeah, off. Yeah, they're watching you. They they were like. Uh, yeah, they were, you know, laughing at me. And, of course, then it came apparent, you know, Bob pulls me over outside and him and I are laughing. And he's like, because, you know, that's, you know, you weren't, you know, and he told me, I was like, man, you know, <laughs> and we're just laughing. But then, you know, he came, you know, then the next thing, you know, we're, Joe was part of the crew. <laughs> oh, that happened to Joe all the time. Oh, yeah. Uh, thinking he was a little kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. There's right, right after this happened. And we brought him in. He was kind of like doing a few shows with us when he could. He had celiac disease, so his health, mm. when permitted, he could do certain things. But 
we had to tend to that. You know, we loved him like, you know, a little brother. He was just the most awesome person. So it wasn't like we weren't going to put him in harm's way, you know, especially with a lot of traveling. You know, he never went to Europe or anything with us because he can't be far enough away. Yeah. But that was his dream, you know, to be doing these things. And right. he got to see the world. His life expectancy was only supposed to be till he was 14. He was 26 years old when he died. Yeah. You know, and he got to see the world, but seeing the world with Josie is definitely along with that came some amazing incidents like so shortly after this you know incident where I finally know that Joe is now our new guy and our little hype man you know mm -hmm. and gonna be doing some shows and we just start becoming buddies you can see you know you know he just became my man we're fellow Scorpios it's like my my little OG you know and we uh so I'm at home and I get a call from someone they're like on the phone they're like turn on the TV right now Kenny and I'm like what and they're like just turn it on and uh, and I turn on the TV and there's like this thing that says um, you know on the news child pornography bust or not and oh, no. or not whatever like it was like they just left this mysterious question yeah. and they show like a quick glimpse of Josie whatever and we had uh, one of the guys that was on the, uh, with us to taking a picture of Joe C with two strippers. <laughs> and he had their butts are facing the camera, yeah. you know, and he's face, face facing the camera, and he's yeah. got his hands around two girls' asses. So yeah. when that photo was turned in, somebody, like, called the police when they were developing <laughs> the film. So these are the kind of things, shock value, that started blowing our success yeah. up. We had all that kind of wind. Raise the profile. We had the shock value wind beneath our wings. Yeah, so... <laughs> But for the way they announced it too, like child pornography or not. Oh yeah, it's a media grabbing headline. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so that you know, obviously, there's so many adventures with little uh, little Joe. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just I mean between all I mean the wrestlers were very good to Joe. You know, we did some of the wrestling things. He got out, got to get in the ring, and you know. Jackson people up, you know. And <laughs> I remember coming back to my room, and we were in Hollywood the night before we did the cowboy video, and they were we were first going to the desert in the morning, and then to Hollywood and Vine, where they actually closed it down for the later part of the video shoot. So we're um, I get back to the hotel, and Joe's got like every professional wrestler is sitting in the hotel room, <laughs> and Joe's sitting there like you know on this podium, like going. Yeah, I'm gonna kick his ass. I'm like, whose ass are you gonna kick, Joe? He's like, Coleman. I'm like, what did Gary ever do to you? And he's like, nothing. Just, you know, you try and be a little vertically challenged motherfucker and having people like saying, oh, you got kidding me, Gary? You know, he's like, because he had a fight scene with him in the whole yeah. video thing. So he's sitting there like bragging to the guys, all the rest. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like laughing, going, yeah, whatever, and you know, looking at Van Dam and all these guys, we're all like, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, you know, I I remember the next morning, we the next in the lobby, you know, and Joe was doing push-ups and in the morning at like five in the morning, like, yeah, I'm like, and I tell him Bob, it's like you would not believe last night when I got back here after we were over in Hollywood, we all came back to the hotel and I told him, you know, Joe, he's like laughing, whatever, and we get to the video shoot here, we got Ron Jeremy playing uh, 
piano during Jimmy's like little piano mm-hmm. solo and the song before it goes in the yeah, my yeah. rock guitar for the da 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 da, you know. Yep. fight scene was over the piano right playing that big old upright that's how jimmy even recorded he just did that old upright yeah like a saloon piano saloon you know five thing and uh so you know it was funny when we first got there because you know gary's awesome we all get there and it's like gary coleman you know everybody in the band's like that must have been a trip you know like that's arnold nice to meet you gary (laughs) sorry you know we already knew ron you know ron was already you know came along with all the other <laughs> he was just part of Hollywood. Oh, yeah, we had shit. I had Woodstock. I had Minnie Me and Jimi Hendrix's sister and Eddie Kramer all sitting to the right of me while I was playing Woodstock. You know, mm-hmm. Minnie Me was my boy. Mm-hmm. I love Vern. He was, you know, I've got to meet, you know, him and Joe obviously hanging out with those two at the same time. Is, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> there's a lot of surreal moments. But, I can uh, imagine. But, uh, and some I can't say in this interview where. <laughs> but. <laughs> But uh, to our little imagination, yeah. <laughs> but I remember uh, Joe when like we got there and he was like he was kind of standoffish, you know, and it was like because he was keeping his little composure, you know, this whole one to like the fight scene looked badass for his wrestler buddies and yeah. really. So <laughs> you might want to say Joe C was a little more theatrical than what was needed for the scene, right? You know? yeah. <laughs> to the point where Gary is like, dude, I thought we were just play fighting. What's up, you know? <laughs> After about four takes, Gary was like, you know, a little bit like, whoa. But then after that, they were totally cool. Oh, good. <laughs> Joe just had to keep his word, what he told his right. wrestling buddies. Man, I told Undertaker I was going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to This is not going to look like some real wrestling shit. So he really did. If you watch the video, yeah. you can see. you know, He's not, for real. <laughs> yeah, Joe was really like Blame on that. <laughs> he's on that mission to like do some, uh, stiff. <laughs> do some funny shit. And he did, but then they were cool afterwards. That's Gary good. Gary was great. I've nothing there's you know I'm bad to say about him. I don't like to say bad, but he was just it was funny. It's just another one of those things along the journey where you know mm. things had just started popping. So yeah, you know I didn't even. It got to the point where if a unicorn walked on my tour he bus, it surprised me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Wasn't life in like, general must have just been really weird at that point. Uh, just every anything's possible. Yeah, and you don't even yeah. like you'd want to keep a journal, but there's not even any time to even think about doing that. Well, you're too busy you living it's it. It's like it gets to the point where you can't even like how do you even describe this in a paragraph? Yeah, what you can't today. Wow. And it becomes more of a, you know, like it's, you know, even there's so much stuff that I've done through the years that I people don't know I did, you know, as far as musically or even mm-hmm. just the people that I've got to work with I'm not saying trying to say done bad things I'm just people that I've things that I've had opportunities and mm-hmm. things I've been able to do that a lot of people don't know about because it's not I'm not part of that generation of like the me 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 Facebook right. I, mean, I was going to say you, you, you have a hell of a book if you decide uh, to write one yeah but it's like a lot of that would incriminate my good friends and uh, yeah 
and I can't, you know, to make the story as good, it'd be better when you, you're like, oh yeah, me and so and so and so and so, and then this happened, and you'd have to name names. That's what makes the good stories good, but those are the ones that you, you know, it's part of your own life. It's not really what the masses, you know. Yeah, you got to keep some for yourself. What they're going to start. It's like it's kind of become more of like a part of your spiritual journey in life, where you know it happened, and you just. It's your own memories, but a lot of it's hard to remember too. Like sure. a lot of things, you know, I have to be, my brain has to be jarred to. Even so you probably have people remember. say, "Remember when this happened, or you saw this person?" And you're like, yeah. "No, don't no. remember any of that." <laughs> to, to fake it, and be like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, oh yeah, that dude, yeah, totally." <laughs> but then you know, it's yeah, it's hard to keep track of a lot of things, and then there's some stuff that people. It gets really weird because people make shit up on onion stuff too. Oh really? Oh yeah. You get people that are, you know, like, oh yeah, I was talking. Me and Kenny, we were. Fuck, that was my roommate back in the day. I used to, you know, like shit. I. Oh yeah. People, oh, I got him at start. I remember his first big gig. I was one. You know, it's just like. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, and no, first, you didn't. Trust me, I know him. I had, and I have lots of friends whose couches I used to get to live on back in my younger years, and I I know all those, and I'm so grateful for all those people that I had a lot of people in my corner that put up with, uh, you know, a lot <laughs> through, uh, you know, not you know just being just they didn't put up so I was just very supportive, right? And knowing that you know it's do or die for me in this industry, you know, yeah. it's like what else am I going to do? You know, I didn't, yeah, you know, go out and get a four year degree at. You know, yeah, there was no plan B. No, the plan plan B didn't exist. It was yeah. like do or die, and and now it's really the only life I know. <laughs> right. right. You know, it's kind of uh, even being off the. You know, I'm still on the road a lot, but being uh, not as much or what we're used to, it got to the point where it's like kind of like got weird just to be not on mm-hmm. out there every right. day. It just living in a normal. Yeah, daily thing, which I had um, such a weird, surreal daily schedule, especially when I was, um, you know, my kids were younger and I was still married. Um, and we started getting to the point where we were, you know, like by the time Cocky came out and stuff and, you know, me and we did Picture and we put mm-hmm. that song out, stuff blew up. We were That was huge too. We yeah. were sharing a jet with Bob Seger, we had the same management. So all of a sudden now we were like, it was perfect because my youngest was, you know, born in 2001 and this is like right around that time so all of a sudden now you know Hank you know Junior you know we were around Hank a lot and stuff and um, that's when we did like Cadillac Pussy and Billy Gibbons came into like Hillbilly Stomp we started doing mm-hmm. had some cool guests on that record and yeah and Bob started looking at thing, you know like well maybe we should uh, start using the jet and just do the Weekend Warrior stuff so it was the ble- that was a great blessing for me at the right. time because I was able to went from being on the road nonstop for three and a half years to being able to be with my you know kids and go be able to come home. Yeah, you know, but it was just so weird because like I'd literally have to would drive to the private mm. airport on a Thursday morning. You know, after like waking up, take the kids to school, <laughs> or be with the little guy. You know, and all of a sudden I'm like on a plane and next thing you know it that night I'm in Houston, Texas or somewhere like that playing in front of all these people yeah 
and then we'd ride the bus for like three days. But then, as soon as it, like some nights we'd stay, but other some come back on Sunday morning. Mostly, we come back on a Saturday night. Right. So like my, you know, you do this huge show, it's like mini and, tours. Yeah, and then you come, and we get on the jet, fly home. And by the time I got home and in the bed, especially Michigan being mm. Eastern time, you know, I'd be six in the morning, seven in the morning, daylight be coming out. And as soon as I lay down, the kids would hear and. 15 minutes into my sleep there's the their little faces like dad's home so the next thing you know I'm then you're up half the day Sunday you know thing and then it was like you know you just you know you're on and off I mean you get back from the plane you know you're on your way home you're like saying every cuss word like you got Tourette's to get out of your system it's like, yeah it's like a, it's a double life <laughs> yeah yeah it's like so, living you know, two lives go home and start you know like, and then be just dad dropping F-bombs yeah. every other second right around, like, <laughs> where's those fucking juice boxes <laughs> are we gonna do shots dad yeah. I'm five <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, it's like it's uh but it, you know, it was it was definitely uh a, a cool you know, ride for many years. You know, I was you know, probably I guess when I, I decided to leave was uh right going into that music industry falling apart. Yeah. You know, and then so I mean I probably couldn't have picked the worst time to quit <laughs> and go off on my own because that's when the digital sales everybody was just losing their ass yeah and record labels were doing 360 deals and yeah a lot of those everything just turned really cruddy you mm. know and the economy was like that was a rough time ran, damn mm. near the great depression repeated you know yep mm. and in michigan even worse yeah and real bad I, and i sold my house around that time and yeah so it was uh definitely it's been an interesting ride but like i said i don't know any better and I've got a lot of shit that I've done over the last 10 years that are very proud of that people haven't heard. Even though I've been, you know, because you get caught up working with all these other people, you know, playing on these other people's records or mm -hmm. producing stuff and then still going out and doing my own thing. But then you got to figure out pay, paying everybody when you're, you get start getting on the road, it starts getting expensive, you know. Right. And, and especially if you're not the headliner position. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I don't even know how a lot of these young bands now because they do these buy-ins and stuff yeah where they'll spend money to go open up for so-and-so and that's very typical of a lot yeah. of bands that are that's how it's done trying man. to hold on to their glory years and mm -hmm. only you know these bands that used to get big money to play a show yeah. are out there touring for crappy money right now yeah and they'll let an opening band pay to get on the bill with them just like stay afloat so they can mm -hmm. you know actually make a little money to even do it yeah and they're not going to admit out there that they're only making, you know, yeah. some shows are only making a few thousand dollars. Right. Yeah. And they got a tour bus, they got everything like that, and they're trying to keep this whole rock and roll image. Yeah. You know, but... But they're bleeding. Yeah. yeah. But that's why you got to, you know, it's for people that, um, you know, like it didn't happen, it didn't come easy for, um, on the business end of sides for me. So, you know, going into it without... You know anything, and then you know the, the rise to the top. You'd like it's, it's a lot more. You know, I looked at it much from a much more humbling mm, standpoint right. because you know you can see it from both sides. Yeah, and if you climb the mountain that wrong way, you know, and that's only perception. You you know you're just all about me, me, and I just want to be a rock star. When you fall down, you can't walk back up. <laughs> right. You got to climb back up it again with a bunch of more weight and a bunch of injured bodies because you fell down and 
really did it. But if you do it with the right integrity, like catching a lightning in the bottle, you just kind of, and it might not ever be the same way it was. You right. Am I at my age? You know. But I've always been content too. Where like, even if I was playing in front of four hundred thousand people, or playing the Super Bowl, or playing a small bar. You know, to 200 of my friends or 50, it's not, mm. there's still the same fulfillment sure. you know, that I would get, you know, and it's and it's different kinds of shows you go to. Like you go to a shows and arenas, it's arena rock. So mm. it's about the show. Yeah. You go see a band in a theater, the dynamics are, you go to a theater and just blast everybody out. They're going to walk out of there going, what the heck? Because those places are tuned for, you know, plays and yeah. orcs, you know, like different, they're acoustically tuned. Mm. So there's a cool element with that, you know, too, where you go see like, you know, different, you know, shows and, you know, the different size theaters and stuff. You got your outdoor sheds. Sound always sounds weird when you're outside. Yeah, You're in a big, you know, arena like Madison Square Garden, you know. Yeah, it's the one of the biggest honors. You play somewhere like that, you dream of playing. And sure. When we sold that out, I was just like, hell yeah. That's a big, big but, claim you know, to you have. Go up there and you want to just, it's just arena rock, you know? Yeah. It's like, you don't, but I mean, it, to me, it's whether you touch five people in a room or the masses, there's still a fulfillment that you get. Obviously, you make more money when you're yeah, for sure. <laughs> then going and playing, you know, you know, and especially around here in Nashville, you get like, you know, you get caught up playing a lot of stuff for, you know, you know, your friends that have like benefits and stuff. You got friends that are trying to do stuff that need a helping hand, and you know, you don't want to be a dick and not do it, say so help them out. But then you end up just giving a lot of time to, you know, doing things, and it's all for good causes and everything. Right. So. You know, and everybody should do those opportunities when they can because to keep how, you know, to be giving is ultimately how people are going to be fulfilled in the big picture anyways with stuff. So it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, like here in Nashville, it's like, you know, you got a zillion, I mean, probably even though Nashville, I mean, it's a major city, but you look at the sizes of your major, major cities in this world, but there is probably in this smaller big city. Yeah. There's more musicians living in this city than there are in those big cities. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. So it's, uh, you know, it's the the men get separated from the boys. He's, you know, yeah. you got to have, you know, there's your guys that have their chops, and you know, you got your creative, strong creative forces here and stuff too. But you got just a lot of a lot of competition and to stand on your own two feet and be like well this is what I want to get this is what I get yeah you know they don't have that they have they just work within a certain thing and if you don't do it someone else will yeah for less money yeah so it's like yeah but it's also you know you know it's it's changed a lot I mean some of the cool vibe about it it's kind of disappointing because it's taken away from you know like I used to live over there in Music Row and watching Mm -hmm all those condos all these people that aren't even a lot of them aren't even musicians that come in there and all yeah. these awesome old school cats that have been living in these places for 10, 20 years people I've right. met through the industry that turn me on to these areas like oh this is where all those cool cats live and stuff yeah I like it over here and I get all the people over there complaining about love music uh, yeah, yeah. Right, they shut us down at the yeah. Soul Shine yeah that was ridiculous 17 tickets I think that we that Chris got 
Chris Sartney, you know, and, and he stood on his own, but they just bullied us out. Yeah. They did, they did every, everything we did to fight back, you know, dropped all that money and the soundproofing it up there. And yet you got other places with their windows wide open with a jukebox way louder than what we were sounding like once we had all the yeah, I don't know how you take the music out of Music yeah, City. Right, what the hell, yeah. man? Yeah, it's like it's, uh, you know, and they won't, you know, and it's, it's very, uh, it sucks, you know, but every city it's, it's, they go through the courses, you know, they get really big and then it's kind of, there's the, you know, there's the good and the bad. Yeah. You definitely can't have the good without the bad. And anytime anything grows too much, even artists, you know, even bands and stuff, everything, gets, it just gets, you know, too, uh, the vibe just starts disappearing. You know? Bubble always pops eventually. Exactly. Well, speaking of things you uh, donate your time to, you are, we appreciate your time today, oh, and also um, pleasure to be here. Also appreciate your time, and because you're going to join us at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, oh yeah, over at Nashville Palace, and uh, it's your second time there, and yep. and I, I take it we did okay the first year. If you're coming back, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I was really, really impressed with. Uh, you know, when I got there, it was, it was very exciting to see that. And being somebody that's, um, you know, still out there, and I, you know, with these new things that I'm working on and bound to determine to get out there because it's, you know, I'm very excited about it. I mean, doing, you know, a lot of passion for what I'm trying to put out there. And I can't thank you guys enough for what you're doing, you know, to like really keep it out there and put it out there and people if they only knew how much work <laughs> it entails yeah and, and believing in it and putting yourself out there i mean a lot of people take things for granted and yeah. i'm one of those people that don't you know i've been taken for granted i'm an artist <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm just a human being they're like any other person i'm sure we all have uh stories but it's people it's it's a lot easier said than done yeah Yeah. and it's uh, like I even know you know it was like we were talking about doing this you know when I before I left town and was trying to get over here with you guys um, you know it's just a lot that was going on in the music industry you know good things you know bad things but it's just so much to you know to really zoom in and let the listeners you know yeah know what's going on and it's all about the timing and stuff and you know well it's a good uh, meet up for uh, the podcasters which still help push the stuff and then, then for the artists to come and promote and also meet fans face to face it's all it's good everybody kind of gets to oh sorry get to just get together and hang out for a day and, and you know it's going to be bigger than last year it's a uh, Nashville Palace which is a cool venue and yeah. yeah I think I'm excited to have you there I'm glad we were have you back you uh, you had rave reviews we're, from the podcasters last year we're doing it downtown this year do I? we're doing it downtown this year right on well, I'll go down with one of you guys. Well, no, Nashville Palace over by uh, oh, Opryland Hotel. Oh, yeah, I love that. It's like right, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much right by the place that's from last that, year. That's for that's perfect because that's that's old school Nashville. Yeah, yeah, that's why I like it. It's got old school honky tonk feel to it. You it know, does. the place is the park. 
Yeah, they are. Plenty of places to park. I was going to say, we were going to be downtown. I was going to be like, I'm right with you guys down there. Oh, no. (laughs) We're over in the comfortable part of town, so uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Closer to my house, too. And I know we we initially set this up as like an Albums Unleashed for Devil Without a Cause. I think we're just going to call this conversation with Kenny Olsen, if that's okay with you, because you had so many great stories. I mean, and we can reflect, you know, with like the whole... You know, it is a cool thing that you brought up because it's the it's twenty years it's the now, twenty year anniversary of Devil Out of Cause, and no one I haven't really done any in depth stories about you know the making of that record, and it uh, you know it was very you know like so we did talk about the, oh yeah the organicness and the beautiful mistake approach that we did, and we just kind of took whatever. I mean, shit, there's songs on there where I did some of those guitar solos on. Like I said, like little crappy amps and stuff, just to get the idea down. Yeah, and that's the track we kept mm. because it had the vibe. Yeah, and you don't—I mean, you don't have to have like when I did the guitar solo, the picture. I did that through this little magnetone amp that was from the like late '50s, early '60s, and that had fingernail polish remover or fingernail polish on the speaker cone. Yeah. And you had to turn it off every 20 minutes to let it cool down. Or start burning up. On. <laughs> and I've had people like say to me, he's like, why, you know, on that solo picture, you're like, you know, like, because they're so used to that just perfect polished tone with delays and compressors and right. everything. And, and I just used this muddy, sonny little lamp with an old, real, but I used the Telecaster through it, you know, and mm-hmm. like, okay. The song's kind of, you know, because it was, here we're going to another direction again too here we got songs of ball with a ball talking about strippers to cowboy all of a sudden now we're doing this song that's going to cross over into yeah you know yeah you know which with Cheryl Crow and so whenever we first recorded that song you know we just you know did, we we always had to add to some kind of edge to something we weren't going to release something where it was just going to be some polished mm-hmm. you know pop country song yeah to do different little things and I've had people like oh that's a weird guitar tone thing I was like shit that's what they would have been playing through back you know 50-40 years ago 50 years ago yeah it's authentic you know there's no no pedals there's nothing it's just a chord and the amp I just happened to tune the guitar before I played the solo so (laughs) it would stay on the tape (laughs) but it was uh yeah, but that was another song right there that they said that would have been uh, career suicide for us. Really? Right. And that's the biggest single that ever of all of them. Yeah, right. for sure. I mean, like the Cocky when it first came out, we'd been on the road for a year. And first, you know, here we got this debut album that sold, you know, like I said, 11 a million at the time. It was Diamond. And, uh, so then we had the follow-up greatest hits of Bob's early years, the, the mm. history, history rock, which wasn't really a new record. It was just a bunch of old shit. And um, so, like I said, Cocky was the next record. And after being on the road for a year, you know, you're thinking your follow-up record, we're going to be, you know, sold maybe five million, six, you know, what's going on? But we hadn't, they hadn't done that. Right. And we did a long tour with Aerosmith that year. And we did our own headliner, which mm. was doing good. But all of a sudden, we came off the road after touring with Cocky, mm-hmm. getting ready to do another record. And all of a sudden, Picture got thrown out there as a single. And all of a sudden, the song just was like, 
okay, yep. everything's going on hold. We're focusing on this. Yep. And I think five million records, copies of Cockies, sold like, you know, oh, over sure. a year. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just over the next year, we just all sent our record sales. Like, you know, it was like just just went right back to another crazy record you know it's like yeah. oh shit this one's almost gonna go diamond which it it did well it didn't go quite diamond but um but also that kind of crossed us over into this whole different market as well mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we're playing the CMT awards yeah and now all of a sudden now VH1 is all about us and rap to rock the country yeah, and so yeah, and all of a sudden we became this poster band for VH1 yeah you did from the mm-hmm. young kids MTV but it was cool because you know especially me and my age you know and it's like you know and it's kind of growing with your audience and stuff which sure obviously it's was you can see now the major difference in where we were at to, after I left the band and then where mm-hmm. you know Bob ended up taking things you know which um, you kind of got to grow with it too you know the audience so it's like he's not like um you know, he went off the path. It's kind of just where his things were, yeah. Right. You know, going with it, but it just obviously nothing's ever the same. <coughs> Changed the original lineup of things, and things are going to change. And you know, I know that uh, nowadays, you know, in Nashville people start. You know, they use a lot of different players to do stuff, and everybody's got. You know, but when we were together, we were like a, it was a band. Yeah, right. We made those songs together, and and it was. Uh, and that was part of why we had that sound. I don't think anybody knew what to expect, you know. <laughs> yeah, did you expect way. 20 years later you'd, you'd be hearing the songs regularly still on the uh, radio? No, I still... Uh, you know, it still gets played all the time. Yeah, and I, and I hear I'm still working away. <laughs> <laughs> you ever talk to Kid Rock anymore? I mean, now that he lives... He's here a lot. You know, he's part here in Nashville now, so we've, you know, run into each other here and, you know, here and there. You know, we still, uh, you know, it's it was one of those, you know, things. I mean, I never really talk, op- you know, because it's, you know, a lot of business side of stuff that right. really yeah, is uh, cause a lot of, you know, you know, I guess, Separation. Se- you, know, you know, some of that stuff then. But, you know, but we did do a lot of cool shit through the years. And, yeah, you yeah. know, and that's, uh, and we've known each other a very long time, longer than, you know anybody else that's big in the industry you know we were you know we saw it from the ground up together so there's something that uh no one else you know will ever besides the core members that was there through it all i mean when jason and stephanie had joined the band and uh, you know jimmy and cracker you know and when they joined the band that's when stuff really started getting crazy and we just you know it was a small group of us that got sent on a journey that <laughs> you know no one would ever believe <laughs> the stuff that like we saw and the, just the fact that uh, what we experienced is um, I yeah it was uh, quite amazing <laughs> well, I can tell you as a fan I don't know if it'll ever happen but I'd love to see you guys get back together and do something again someday yeah. as a fan of those first albums when it really was yeah. You know, like you say, so many different things. But to me, like you say, there was a part time there in the 90s where it was like, lead guitar is dead. You know, nobody cares yeah. about lead guitar no more. But I still cared about lead guitar, yeah. you know. And then when, when Devil Without, Without a Cause came out and there was actual guitar solos and kick-ass hooks and riffs on that, yeah. 
I was like, I like this way better than a lot of the stuff that's really popular right now. Yeah. And I think that dynamic had so much to do with you. And, you know, as we learned here today, so many of your influences from the rock and the funk and everything else, you know, Motown and everything that you brought with it yeah. to, you know, it, it's such a unique album that there's really nothing out there you can compare it to. And I think that dynamic that you and Bob had, you know, has so much to do with that. Just, just saying, I personally would love to see you guys do something together again someday. It was cool. We had the right group of us that had our own little things that everybody, you know, offered. I mean, yeah. like Jimmy Bones, you know, he's up there with all his old school, you know, V3 and Rhodes and stuff. You know, his and my whole side of the stage. And you got, you know, it's like, you know, now it's like a whole thing out there. You look at all the, everything from... The rock and hip hop, everybody's doing the whole hybrid combination now. Right. It's only, you know, it's uh, an honor. I mean, a lot of people don't. I don't know if, I mean, I get it's cool when a lot of people do come up to me and say, wow, I wouldn't be, never conceived this until I heard, you know, you taking it, you know, just riff, you know, stuff. And that was what we did. I mean, even like when we brought in, um, everybody brought their own little uniqueness, you yeah. know. Even when Jason came in on rhythm guitar and stuff, but he comes from that real, you know, he had like a really mm -hmm. cool rhythm, solid uh, right hand and really, keep, you know, had like this, you know, because there, there were times, like on Warp Tour, we did that, we didn't even have a bass player. Like Jimmy, like our bass player quit that's on the album right here. Yeah. I mean, he quit in, when the record wasn't even done. So we went out on our first tour and warped it, and we didn't even have a bass player. It was Jimmy was playing keyboards, and because Jason played, you know, more of that just dropped E was like that. Chugga, and chugga. Then I just did, you know, with me, my chord voice and lead guitar and right. Steph saying DJ, kind of like it was literally just that when we wow. first went out. Like we never until, you know, we had a few different bass players that played with us for a while until Aaron eventually joined the band stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's still there. You know, there's quite a, you know, there's a few guys that were there that were there when I was through the band and Stephanie as well. But um, now he's, you know, it's a much bigger band now. Right. Even, right. I mean, it's, a, it's the big Kid Rock show. Right. You know? Big and production. Yeah. Before it was just a bunch of us Detroit, you know, guys <laughs> and some strippers, to the little eye candy there, right? You know? <laughs> it was a party. A bunch of people with some issues playing some music. <laughs> well, and I guess that's why it worked out so well. That's, yeah. You know, that's what makes it, you know, it timeless, you know. And yeah. That's what's, uh, you know, that's different about it. You know, you got, like I said, you know, a lot of these records now, it's just all these different session players coming in and. You know, when you take that certain signature team, you know, doing stuff, it's it's always going to be different, you know, and especially with, you know, you see it happen with very few bands, you know, there's few bands that have had to go through changes, but when you're talking, especially with singers and mm -hmm. right, guitar players and stuff, there's a certain, you know, thing that people would identify like our era we grew up you know like you'd sit there it's like fucking Led Zeppelin Jimmy Page yeah, you know? right, yeah. I think Floyd David Gilmore everybody knew you know it was yeah. like uh, everybody knew every bass player drummer and you yeah. know everybody like they were real believers in what was going on and like nowadays it's like you know I get people just don't even have a clue or do they even care 
you know, and, I, and will that ever change? Because now this generation is changed, you know, and now you got the, whatever they call it, the millennium generation. Yeah. And then I call the next generation I'm calling out is going to be the Tinder generation. The Tinder generation. A bunch yeah. of babies that were conceived on Tinder dates. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably right. It'll probably catch on, too. Lord help us. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's, it's, it's a lot of, like, you know, it's another thing with stuff that's changed. You know, it's like you got people that are actually trying, <coughs> trying to meet people, you know, online. Obviously, it's kind of, it's pretty creepy, you know, and there's not, there's not going to be any magical connection through uh, some spiritual force that's going to come through right. that kind of thing and it's just like um, even with people the way they're creating music now you know I can't I mean I do a lot of stuff I play on people's records and you know being here in Nashville I'll get the call because someone will be like he's here and there's all these great studios and yeah. kick ass engineers around here that I, you work with so I'll go and play the guitar tracks and then send it off to mm-hmm. you know back to LA or Atlanta. fly it in and you know now people will go what was it like working with her <laughs> in the studio she's so hot and I'm like I wouldn't well, know it was like having phone sex with a condom on they're <laughs> 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 like what do you mean I'm like, I don't know I wasn't there that's Just hilarious heard the track and rubbed one off and sent it back <laughs> there's the quote of the show <laughs> Oh, God. I'm gonna title the show. Oh, that. <laughs> oh man! Well, this has been uh, a good time with you and uh, great stories. Totally worth the wait getting you over here. Oh, my um, I've been wanting to get over here, like I said, for a while. And yeah, I'm sorry I did so much talking. It just was my brain wants. Well, that's what we're here for. Right, it, ta- it takes me that many words to answer the simplest question. No, <laughs> these are the kind of interviews we like the most. Yeah, um, like, Kenny, what you? What are we eating? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> when I was store and I was going to get, and I, <laughs> but then I saw that, so I, yeah, you know. All right. So we'd like to, with our guests, we always try to have them select the play out song. So is there anything from Devil Without a Cause you want us to spin on the way out today? Um, I guess we should go with, uh, well, we had so many good stories with uh, Joe. Yeah. So... I guess we can't leave out little Smokey Joe. So I'd have to let's let's just go with uh, the, the title track, Double Out of Cause. It's my know, favorite that was, one. That was one that uh, Bob and I we wrote that back in shit. Like I think we started writing that before we even did the the uh, the actual record. I mean, yeah, it was, that's one of the early. Mm. I mean, some of the first ones we ever did, like the, actually the first uh, songs that we wrote that we sent in that got us the deal. We I got one for you, and somebody's got to feel this. Yeah. yeah. And Devil Without a Cause was written shortly after that. Cool. You know, or like right actually it was already written, but I think it might have been too much to send into the label for a deal thing because we wrote it a long time ago. I remember when I did the guitars on it, there was. Um, like this, uh, there's a little park amplifier in the studio. Mm-hmm. Like those little, looks like a little Marshall practice amp. Yeah. And literally, you know, it had reverb on it. It's just this little amp. And I literally took my Wawa and plugged right into that. And Bob and I were at his studio in his house. Mm-hmm. And I just started going, you know, he had this beat, this beat up and going. And he's like, all right, just 
put a thing over this thing, and so I just start going wow, 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 you know, and then all of a sudden that, you know, and that's still the guitar loop mm-hmm. that you know even they use, you know, it's the, that's the one that I played on there was through literally like a shitty ass little amplifier that you could buy at a pawn shop for seventy dollars. Well, it worked out and well. It sounded that you know, <laughs> and I was, but I was using a my 64 Strat to play through it so it was a that helps had a little amp had the old school guitar it had for that that guitar did a lot of that record I'm not gonna lie it did a I still have that 64 Strat it's got half the paint left on it but it's done a lot of records with me it's it's been a oh her name's Hazy 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 has seen it all because they say a guitar you know the shape of a guitar took the took its shape to be reminiscence of a woman with a hazy past. Right. So, like in the Renaissance, whatever era, whenever the guitar took its shape, mm. it was that to be shaped of a woman with a hazy past. <sighs> and I had this old strat that I got that had has quite a history to it with people that have had it and stuff. And it was like, kind of like that. She was like that well seasoned girl that had all the tone and she could moan, but. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> That's why I named it that because she had a hazy past when I got her. That's I was, awesome. I was a teenager. <laughs> so cool. You can see that that guitar and a, a lot of that old stuff. And then I, then Fender started actually giving me free guitars. So I was like, okay, hazy can stay home. <laughs> gotcha. that, last time, last time I used it live, and uh, well, I used it recently. I've pulled it out on some stuff, but it was uh, when we did uh, Saturday Night Live. It was one of Joe C.'s last uh, TV performances with us before he died, mm-hmm. and I, I took it out there with me because it was Saturday Night Live. You know, yeah. growing up, yeah, that's my big. age. You know, like yeah, MTV came out when I was like in junior high, but it was like for the most part, being inspired to play was Saturday Night watching Saturday Night Live. You know, so beyond even playing any award shows or anything, playing Saturday Night Live meant the world to me. Yeah, you know, that was like. Like more than even the Grammys or anything, we played a season finale. Right. So I was like, I'm bringing my baby out for this one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Was, uh, that was Joe's last uh, TV thing with us, and uh, there was a great. I remember like in that footage of there's a great scene where him and I both just look at the camera and both like. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> that's and awesome. That's, uh, those are some. A lot, lot of good memories with that kid. I can tell you one more real funny story with him. Was um, a lot of times when he would be with me, they would think that uh, he was, you know, my kid. Right. So, you know, like we'd be on a plane, he'd be cussing, and like, these old people be looking over at me like, "You ought to be ashamed of yourself." <laughs> right, talk to that way. And there's no manual how to get out of any of that. You know? Right. Yeah. There's like, no. There's like you. There's this don't even bother explaining it but we got off the plane one time and this guy was like in his business suit with his little tote bag and and he bumped into Joe by accident he's like oh I'm sorry young man he's looking at me like sorry sir for your, you know and your son Joe just looks up and his little middle finger he goes you fucking asshole it fucking hurt motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> this guy's just looking at me like I'm just like you heard my son <laughs> I mean, there's there's no way of getting out of that one. That's no. hilarious. <laughs> oh man! Well, thanks again for doing this, buddy. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks, Kenny.
just just edit and make me look cool. <laughs> you already Don't look cool. You're already cool. <laughs> <laughs> You knew that I was coming cause you heard my name But you don't know my game and never felt my pain Can't read my brain, but you read my lips And got scared when you heard that I was coming with hits Now don't even trip, be a man instead Give thanks, I'm alive when I should be dead uh, I'm in the red cause my mind's distorting People claiming they know me, but they only know a portion I'ma move mountains and touch the sun Don't get scared now, you knew this day would come So hold your bids, all bets are closed And fuck off but I finally broke Like an egg, yo, got no joke Like some cut down Motherfucking kid rocks to play Same game, same name Ain't a damn thing changed No sellout, ain't no hope Fuck the radio Coming from the R-O-N-E-O Watch me throw like a fist of rage Self-made and paid and sold off 12 pages Off that ass for the 9898 Never fake shake straight from the Great Lakes Seven years all wax coming correct Flat out, you diss me both That's when I pull a straight Straight out of the streets of Taylor. Yeah. Don't forget. 
Sim.